fucks in deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucks in deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucks in deep. Put it in deep. For Morgan Riley, back across to Nylander. For Matthews, walks in and shoots. Goals. Put it in deep. Bunting up for Marner. Chips it there for Bunting. And with Matthews, centering pass, Matthews, it's good! Austin Matthews has got two, and the game is tied! Larry Grip, up ahead to Matthews. This time he won't miss! Austin Matthews, bring on the hats! He's got three tonight! You know, get pucks deep, bring the puck deep. Put pucks in deep, just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep, pucks deep. Pucks deep, keep getting pucks deep. Mike Ross here, public address announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're listening to the Pucks in Deep podcast with Adam Lesko and Josh Coleman. All right, everybody, welcome back. Pucks in Deep podcast. It's episode 96 today. Episode 96. Miko Rantanen. Kirill Kaprizov. Really? No, he's 97, bro. Is he? Yes. Oh, you know. Fact check. Uh, I was sitting on that, too. I was sitting on it. <laughs> I was sitting on that one. Charlie like, Conway would I, have been a good one. I noted his, his number the other day. I watched uh, Dallas and Minnesota. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's coming up. I got to remember that. Oh, it's coming up. So you were just dedicated <laughs> to making sure that you mentioned Kirill Kaprizov. Now I got to find a new one for next Next episode. Well, so. I mean, we all know it's Connor. It's going to be Connor McDavid. Maybe he'll score some points by then. We'll see. Been on a bit of a cold streak, that Connor McDavid out in Edmonton. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch on the Edmonton Oilers at some point. It's been we like a month. Do. It's been like a month, bro, since we've been here. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to the listeners. Episode 96, Pucks and D Podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko, as always. Um, you know, I think I said this to you last time we had a bit of a an extended hiatus, Lesko. I, I, I'm not even kidding you at all. I have to sit down here in front of the computer and, like, remember what to do. I've done it 95 times, <laughs> plus a little bit more, like, you know, after episode editing and stuff. Like, I spent a lot of time. Uh, we don't do very much editing, but the times we have uh, – I've spent a lot of time here, but I just forget how to do it. And then suddenly after a little while of kind of panicking, getting stressed out, <laughs> it, it comes to me. And and here we are. We're back. We're on the airwaves. It seems to go flawlessly every time. But I guess it's like that sports thing. Eh? If you don't have the nerves or if you don't have the butterflies or something like that, you're you don't care. So I guess I care because I'm freaking out over here trying to remember how to record a fucking podcast that I've done 95 times in the past. But we're off and running, man. How you been? Because you're doing so many things all the time, dude. You're you're firing off in like five different directions on a regular basis. So how how was how was COVID? Because that must have been kind of weird for you. Would you say COVID? Yeah, because you're like I said, you're always all over the place. You got so much going on. You guys just had to what shut her down for a couple of weeks, I guess. Yes, actually, yeah, it was because um, you know it was weird, bro. There wasn't any like, and that's by the way why we haven't had a show as recently. 
not because he forgot how to do it, but because he had COVID. Yeah, I think we would have been our standard uh, two-week break at, at most, right? Like when we first started, we were so gung-ho and horny to do <clears> it. <throat> we were every week on the week. Um, you know, storylines don't develop quite as often as, as we would like on that time frame. So I think we, we kind of have eased into a little bit more of a every other week uh, type of, of, mm-hmm. of thing, which works out. But yeah, dude, it was, so it was really strange. Back to the COVID, COVID, whatever the hell you want to call it. I like that. Um, there was no strict criteria for what Kirsty and I went through here. So I had COVID and, you know, I was fine. I had like a little headache and a bit of a sore throat. No big deal. But she didn't get it. Okay? It was like four or five days later. She still she still didn't have it. And then on the seventh day, which would have been, or no, I guess it was the sixth day. Yeah, the sixth day because I got it on a Wednesday morning. And then the following Tuesday, she discovers that she has it now. Wow. So, I like... Uh, based on the guidelines, they're very they're contradicting in our scenario because mm. the guideline says that I'm good to go wherever I want because I'm symptom free. And even though I would still test positive on a test, I could still test positive yeah. for months. Um, that's neither here nor there because I'm symptom free. Yet I've got my fiance now whom I live with who is not symptom free and most definitely has it. Mm-hmm. So... I'm so like by that fact, you're you're supposed to be staying at home, right? I'm supposed to isolate, even though you just had it. It's mine. I gave right? it to her. Yeah, and and it's tougher for her too because like my sister had it recently. She recently she works at the hospital. Okay, and she was off for like an exposure for like a significant period of time because obviously they're governing that stuff much more strictly. And then she got it, so she was off for another ten days. So she ended up being <laughs> off for almost an entire month. <laughs> <laughs> now, in both of our cases, Kirsty and myself, being off for extended periods of time is not a, a good thing. It seems like a good thing. And I enjoy being off on vacation and I enjoy long weekends and whatnot. Now, long weekends are a bit of a different story because everyone, I guess, is off. But when you're the only one that's off and you've got stuff to do, that stuff starts to really pile up. Yeah. And even this, especially for Kirsty being in healthcare. You know, she's got patience and, you know, basically she's just pushing everything Everything's back. on hold. Yeah. So you're not, you're not just off gallivanting, having the time of your life, bit of a sore throat, but you're watching Netflix and drinking, uh, you know, water and having soup. Like it, you get some stress build up. So I had that and I was going to say that to you today. Like I'm fired up to do this pod because it's been a month since we did it. And also we might as well take our opportunity here to let the listeners know we got a nice guest coming on here. I guess you can tell that by the title, but uh, Alex Hobson will will join us a little bit later. Get diving into the Leafs, but long time uh, since he's been on the show. Yeah, friend of the show, like a couple years probably. Lead singer, uh, frontman of No Service. Check him out on Spotify. Um, maybe uh, No Service and Sawmill Road can have a battle of the bands someday. Hey, there you go. But. Yeah, back to just the closing point on the on the COVID situation. Like COVID, notwithstanding, uh, I'm just like I'm stressed right now, and I don't know what it is. Like I don't really know why. And like I'm a pretty straight line guy. Like you know, I got a lot of energy, and I'm like you said, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I think I don't know. Like I got Lumber Kings tonight. Like we got to record here, and then I got to fucking hurry up and go over to Lumber Kings, and then call the game against Kempville Seventy Threes at eight o'clock bring the coffee. <laughs> and then tomorrow I got band rehearsal. We haven't rehearsed since our last show, <laughs> which was like a month ago. 
So then we have a show on Saturday. And then I, I leave for uh, Florida. Kirstie and I are driving down on Wednesday. And you're going to say, oh, poor you. You're going to Florida. <laughs> I get that. But it's like the stress buildup for like making sure that things are in order at work. Right. Is someone coming here to look after the dogs? We got always the two, that you know what I mean? Pre-vacation like, can be stressful because I always feel the need to do a week's worth of work or two weeks worth of work, worth of work in one week. Because to make up for to it. To make up for it and to make it, I guess – Cushion the blow for when you get back. Okay, so I was going to ask you, do you mean like for your superiors or do you mean for yourself? For myself, to for the people around me so okay. that nothing comes up, like tie up all the loose ends, you know? Like right. last thing you want is, is to be unreachable and then sh- something, something that you didn't plan for occurs. Yeah, and I mean like for me too, like, you know, as our listeners probably know, like I'm an insurance broker. It's pretty easy life for the most part. But like when times get stressful, they get like overly stressful. And it's like it's it's almost it's, sometimes it can get to an unhealthy level when you're like it's 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 a worry thing because it's like every night you go to bed and you're like, did I do everything that I was supposed to do? Because if you didn't do something, yeah. something's it, getting fucked over. It could really it, well it could it yeah. could come back on on me and it could come back on like I could lose the business over a, a mistake. You know what I mean? Then it's just a human error. But other people can you know in, in different settings they're lucky in my opinion they're lucky that a couple of mistakes are are okay. Like it's not like it's not industry crashing or it's not gonna be the end of your career or your or your future. You know what I mean? Like some of those things can like build up on me. And I think maybe that's what's been going on because to, to allude more to what you said, you're doing a little bit more work before you leave. Cause you want to make sure that, like you said, everything is tied up and there's yeah. nothing uh, open-ended. So by virtue of that, like I'm almost expecting something to go haywire between now and next Wednesday, where normally I would need all of my attention in the office for a day and a half or two days to iron out this mess. And that is the situation that I'm going to find myself in when I'm on vacation, it's supposed to be relaxing. I'm going to be on my phone you get one of trying those, to deal uh, with stuff because I am reachable. Even get though one I'm of those Bluetooth douchebag earpieces, and I'll, you'd be that guy on the on the golf course putting while you're while you're doing a deal or <laughs> it could be trying to get shit done. It so back be. to Florida. That's the first time in a while, eh? And uh, you got some. Got some golf, any hockey games or anything? Yeah, man. Missed the last two years, obviously, with COVID going on. Um, not really, dude. There's We don't really um, – obviously, I've got uh, rounds of golf in mind. I got a buddy of mine, friend of the show. What's up, PA? Uh, he's going to fly down for literally the weekend and play like three rounds of golf. Awesome. Um, and the reason why he can do that, long story short, you know, his parents are uh, renting a unit, same spot as me. Um, so he's got a spot to crash right at our right at our, our unit. So that's nice. Um, so we got the golf plan. That's really the only thing I'm looking forward to is, is playing a couple rounds of golf. Oh, I lied just then. Perhaps even more than the golf, I'm looking forward to getting out of my vehicle and going into a store. That's it. No other steps. No other... <laughs> Oh, I forgot my mask. Uh, oh, where's my mask? You know, oh, I got to lift my mask up back over my nose 18,000 times. Because for some reason I've learned, what I've learned about face masks in the last two years is that they just don't stay up. No. It doesn't even matter if you're did. talking or if you're not talking. They just don't seem to stay up. I'm sure yeah. there's better ones out there. but yeah, There's no rules there down in Florida. And, and I've seems, already gotten COVID, so we're all going we're good. that way too. Yeah, I would I would feel safer than ever. Like I'm, I'm going to Jamaica there in a couple of weeks. Oh, so Jamaica, I'll be on. first uh, trip out of the country and then two and a half years. I yeah, guess. exactly. Right. So that'll be, 
that'll be a good time. And I'm not, I guess I'm a little stressed just about the extra travel hassle. Like I find traveling stressful to begin with. I don't like flying very much. I am. I agree. Um, airports, especially like we got to fly from Ottawa to Toronto. Like that fucking airport is scares the shit out of me. It's just yeah. way too big and too many people running around. But, there's another, uh, there's another hey, God, stress. God bless us. We can go on vacation once again and go warm places when it's cold up here. So. Yeah. Very true. Man. Oh, who's going to complain about that. Very true. And, and you're so right. Negative. Like, I would have been, we, we were, we were always going, uh, and I said to Kirsty, when I say we were always going, like you know, January, mid January, February of this year, we kind of said like, all right, we're allowed to go. Regulations say we can go, and all this stuff. Fuck it, we're going. And then since we made that decision, like Kirsty was very, like you know, baby shouldn't be going here. You shouldn't be doing this. Like if we're trying to go on vacation, yeah. what if you get COVID? And I was like. We want COVID. <laughs> She's like, no, we don't. Quit saying that. Like, what if you get it and it's really bad? And I said, yeah, but like, what if we get it and it's uh, not? You know? Odds are in our favor here. Yeah. We and were I talking said, we about want that same it. conversation. I was like, because neither of us have had it still, unbelievably, knock on wood. Unbelievable. So uh, we were saying that, well, well, we'll do some kind of social things maybe this weekend. But after that, we're locking it down. You got to lock it down. Because we, if we get COVID, we're friggin' screwed like mm-hmm. we're talking like non-refundable bullshit here exactly so, yeah i guess in the the lead up to that trip we'll be we'll be locking it down for sure and i mean yeah like and, and just I, go it goes back it, to the whole problem of being busy too like um you know probably having to go in into work a little more than i have lately just to maybe try and get in that place where you are not worrying about your shit when you actually go and leave. So. Right. Dude, just pull a Dwight Schrute and get someone with COVID to sneeze on your breakfast. Ah, man, but I still have that point of pride of, like, I haven't got it yet. <laughs> yeah, but that point of pride ain't going to be worth fuck all when you get your trip canceled if yeah. you get COVID two days before. Well, I should, I should be able to make it, you figure. Like, if I hadn't got it until, like, the day before, basically, like, between there and, like, Whenever I had to do the test before I got on the plane, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Okay, right. But you're talking about a strict ISO, right? Like you got to ISO hard. Like, w- could you not possibly get it from work? Yeah, I don't even know where yeah. I got it. Like, I guess the bigger concern would be getting it overseas, like getting Jamaica. That is and the bigger concern. That's, is, is not being able to fly back when you can. And then being out, whatever, th- another flight, and God knows what you got to pay to stay there. And that is on your own dime. Several days, yeah. Right? That would, that would be scary. All right, let's not. We just <laughs> took wonderful, sunny vacations and turned them into a COVID hellhole. Stressful. Hell Why are we doing this to ourselves? Stressful, stressful. Just call Hobson. He'll lighten the mood oh, immediately, man. I can like, tell you. Yeah. Need, <laughs> I'm looking forward. some of that spirit here. No, like, I'm looking forward to chatting with him later, but we won't, uh, we won't get into too many spoilers. We'll keep our leaf stuff to the end. But we did hear the sweet, sweet hat trick in the intro there uh, for episode 96 tonight. Matthews with a uh, another hattie. I believe it's his sixth NHL hat trick. Correct. Okay. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot that this guy can't do. Like, he's unstoppable right now. And he is unstoppable. That, the fact that Mitch and, and Mikey Bunting are, are, are flying out there like that, it – it's made them an absolute handful for the opposition, an absolute thrill to watch. Yeah, 100%. And they look like they're having a blast doing it, and that's exactly what exactly what you wanted. And, and I don't know how many people would have predicted it either because coming into the season, nobody really had pegged Bunting, say, as the go-to 
uh, guy on that line um, to fill that role, and he's done it. He's like he's taken the reins, and he hasn't put him down. I mean, is it fair at this point? We've said this before. I think every game that goes by, it becomes more and more fair to say that not only has he replaced Zach Hyman, he may be exceeding. Absolutely. And you, you know, I just take one look at the stats. I mean, I think it was uh, as of last week, he had tied Hyman's career high in points, but in 53 games. Yeah, with lots of runway left. Now, Absolutely. Uh, again, we said we won't get into too much of it because I don't want to have the same conversation twice. But I, I'm looking forward to a, a, a three-headed conversation between you, me, and Hobson about who the best player in the world is. Ah. Currently. Excluding our biases somehow. Somehow. Like I said, I've said to you on this show before that I wish there was like a switch or a pill you could take and it would actually remove <laughs> your your bias physically or put you into a different emotional state and all of a sudden you'd be like, I hate that guy. Or you gotta do you gotta <laughs> do the kind of cop out way that um that you're always talking about on overdrive where they say, Well, he's the best player right now. Yeah, but sometimes that does need to be identified right? though. Because like if you're talking about whoever's more skilled, like I do I do firmly believe that Connor McDavid is more of a skilled hockey player than Austin Matthews. Right. But as we are speaking today, that conversation is definitely not as easy as it was a year ago. Yeah, yeah, I guess not. It's not. And um man, I'm just enjoying the hell. I mean, even in some of these bad games, Austin Matthews has been typically worth the price of admission. Oh, absolutely. And, and worth tuning in for. Uh, even in some of those awful games that they had, that 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 first line was the only only ones getting like it's kind of sustained zone pressure. And, yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of refl- referring back to a couple of those turds they had against Buffalo and Montreal, of course. I mean, hey, unless you're a huge fan of terrible goaltending, because if you're a big fan of terrible goaltending, then it's definitely worth the price of admission. And I'd argue that a bunch of people out there probably are fans of terrible goaltending because it just creates for more ridiculous, more ridiculousness. Like hey, the, that, like like the that, 10-7 that game, game against night, Detroit. Yeah, and that game last night, you know, not entirely egregious from a goaltending standpoint, but was an amazingly exciting hockey game and completely chaotic at times. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of chaotic, how about Phil Kessel's night? Uh, was it last night, I guess? Yeah, last night. Phil Kessel's night uh, last night, pretty interesting uh, series of events where he played 30 seconds in the game and then left the game, got on a plane, and was able to be present for the birth of his first child. First question, were you even aware that Phil Kessel was with child? I did not know that he had a girlfriend, let alone a child on the way. Girlfriend, fiance, wife. I, like, yeah. we, we wouldn't even know if he's put a ring on it. it. It feels like to me that, and I know Kessel's not like Mr. Public Social Media guy sure. or anything, but it feels like your buddy that you know and then you haven't heard from him in a while and they're like, oh shit, not only does he have a girlfriend, but he's having a child. Yeah, like, he's got he's 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 engaged he's well now. Along, and he right? has twins. It's like well, we haven't heard from him in a while. He's been hiding out in Arizona. But uh congratulations to Phil Phil the dad. Phil the dad. I guess. Um but interesting enough that he played enough in that game and then to preserve his Iron Man streak. That's that's the exact reason why they did that, which I really got to give props to the Arizona Coyotes. So did, yeah, they did. They helped, I guess. They facilitated facilitate the whole thing. Facilitate that. Yeah. And, I, and I would imagine it was probably Phil's idea. 
Because him me, being as competitive as is, like yeah. he's like, hey, you know, birth of child, but listen, like it's probably gonna happen tonight, but still, fly me out. Let me play a shift. Yeah, and then get me out of here. That's it. That's that's beautiful. Interestingly enough, like I'm sure Phil could have paid for his own flight out, and they may still send him the invoice. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Let's not. But that was interesting. It's a feel good story like, today. It might be a feel bad story later. Yeah, when they find out they're coming, they they got that flight on credit and they're calling the collect. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting because the tweet I saw had said uh, the owner of whatever Murillo had had uh, chartered this this jet or whatever to, yeah. to get him over there, like kind of like big. Look at me, super owner hero guy. But it is. But it, hey, yeah, take, really take the PR love while they can because. Lord knows they've been buried in the shit. Yes, for how long? That's what I was just about to say. Like yeah. I got to give credit to the Arizona. They better Coyotes. have that baby drop in the puck at the next game <laughs> at the Arizona PMC Arena <laughs> in front of a strong, strong forty nine hundred fans. Forty nine hundred <laughs> packed to the ceiling. Uh, all right, staying with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I think to nobody's surprise earlier today. The re, 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 rebuild is yeah, on. Yeah, basically sending out the, uh, you know, the, the telegram to all the teams. The uh, telegram. Through the media saying, hey, we're ready. We're open for business. We got cap space. We know how to use they it. They faxed everybody in the NHL. That's correct. Um, no read receipts. They don't care if you get it or not. They're telling everyone this is where we're at. And I think that comes to nobody's surprise uh, but it leads me into a bigger discussion that I did want to have with you before we bring Hobson on for sure. The rebuilding teams, um, like off, uh, do you have standings in front of you by by chance? I will get them j- while j- you talk. Okay, because I was just going to say, I don't want to put you on the spot, but off the top of your head, you know, you're, you're going through some of the teams out there that have either been middling for a long period of time or flat out bad for a long period of time. You know, you're talking about your your Detroit's, Ottawa's, Buffalo's, Montreal, Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, New Jersey Devils, and then you can even go out west to the California Swing and L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose, which once was a gauntlet uh, to go through on the road, has you know more recently been a much easier trip. Not quite as recent as this year because mm-hmm. those three teams have turned it around. Yeah, quite they're quickly. trending upwards. Yeah, which say. is the reason for I thought this would be an interesting discussion with you because yeah. um, some teams have been bad for less time such mm-hmm. as LA and Anaheim uh, then other teams like Buffalo hasn't been to the playoffs in forever Buffalo's mm-hmm. the new Toronto from when we were you know in our late teens and early 20s um, where are you at if you had to pick one of those teams out of a hat and perhaps do you have varying levels and say okay in this group mm-hmm. I'm putting these four teams because they are really bad and they're not going to get better anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Then I have a second group where the Anaheim and LA, like I'm interested to yeah. see what you think. So as far as rebuilds go, it seems to be that the teams that are most successful are the ones that have gone, yep, we're doing it. Sorry, everybody, but pull the plug, we're biting rip the bullet. it apart, biting the bullets. Like I refer to the Rangers Okay, I, a lot of people would not consider them to be currently rebuilding simply because they're so successful right now. Right, of course. Uh, but it was four years ago, five years ago, they sent that letter out. Yeah. Um, L.A., another example. They seem to be up and coming. They've drafted really well. They got a lot of return on their assets. Mm-hmm. You don't have to look any further to, um, you know, uh, Trevor Moore, for example, that right. they have over in uh, 
And uh, even more recently, escapes me as well that the, they picked up from the Leafs that uh, has been making an impact there as well. Even more recently, Dano as well. Yeah, out yeah, there. bringing in Dano, um, Detroit, Ottawa. I like I like what they're doing too. Um, Ottawa still, I think, is a bit further away. I think Detroit's done a better job of finding value in unexpected places. Okay. Eisman has basically done what he did successfully with Tampa Bay, I think, over there too. Okay, and before you move on from Eisman, I'm glad you brought him up. I heard something interesting on the radio today that I I really thought was was accurate. That aren't you a little bit luckier than most if you're Steve Eisman managing the Detroit Red Wings where you once were and always will be an absolute fan favorite and legendary icon member of that franchise. Like you're saying in terms of like comfort, like job security? Not or? not necessarily. I kind of asked the question that way, but I just mean like on the grand scheme of things, like can't they be bad for a pretty long period of time? And as long as... Like there's a lot of forgiveness. There. Yeah, like as right. long as he's, you know, clearing bad contracts and, and, and getting mm-hmm. new draft picks and allowing his scouts to do their thing. I feel like the, the fan base is going to give him a much longer leash right than they would some, some someone else or some, some other hockey yeah, guy yeah some new guy some right. dubis some dubis type guy right type right. of thing yeah and I, and i think we're seeing we're seeing the uh, like from the scouting perspective we're seeing that pay off because i mean they're absolutely hitting it out of the park with guys like Raymond guys like Cedar we're not talking about first overall picks we're talking about hitting home runs in the first round despite not having the first highest pick picks. Yeah. yeah right so I, I'm really impressed with what they're doing. Um, if you want to go on the opposite side of the spectrum, uh, you look at teams like that are, are they going to rebuild? Should they rebuild? Philadelphia, Chicago, New York Islanders, you have listed together here. Those are teams that have been slapping Band-Aids. Right. You know, Montreal had been slap, slapping Band-Aids for a few years. Buffalo has been slapping Band-Aids for years. And then I really liked you made the comparison to uh, the Leafs of our younger years where they just caught, kept throwing money at people and hoping it helped. Hoping for an eight seed. Like yeah. how good is that going to be? Exactly. How good is hoping that for you? for a playoff berth just so you can get some, some journalists off your back or something. I guess. Yeah. Because for the bigger teams, Toronto is a better example, but for the bigger teams, you're, you're not, I know you want to win. Okay. Let's go. But as one a business, round is not going to make uh, your break your business. Exactly. But as a business model, those teams, if they don't make the playoffs, they're not negative. They're not in. They're not in the red mm-hmm. because they didn't make the playoffs. Other teams are risking being in the red mm-hmm. on an operating level if they are unable to make the playoffs. Yeah. Now, like you said before, it's about having to be able to identify the scenario that you are in and accept the fact that it's going to take mm-hmm. a long time to get out of it. And another team that I wish I would have put next to the likes of Philadelphia, Chicago and the Islanders would have been the Columbus blue jackets. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit more competitive at this current moment than the other teams that I've listed, but are they not now in a middling situation? And is, are the, are the teams like Washington and Boston perhaps ready to fall back to well, the, are they, to the pack. Are, are we going to talk about those two teams like they're Philly and Chicago in two or three years? Or are they going to do a better job of it? Because we've seen, you know, Boston in the last decade where they, I think they missed the playoffs, what, once? And they got a bunch right. of those first rounders, missed on all of them, I think. But they still managed to retool 
and keep themselves relevant. Now, it helps when you have a core of Marchand, Bergeron, you know, guys like that you can keep intact, Krejci at the time. Right. Um, but all those guys are getting older now. That's right. That's right. So they're at, it's a different question than it was, say, five years ago when they, when they had like an off year, you could call it then. Right. And when you look at some of these other teams that have the young superstars, like you mentioned, the Detroits with the Lucas Raymonds and uh, Mo Siders, you know, in Anaheim, you got your – your Zegrises and your Troy Terry's. Ottawa has Stutzel, Shabbat. Eh, he's middling a bit, but he's a defenseman, so give him some extra time. You know, where are the superstar players to replace your aging superstar yeah. players? It, basically, I think at this point in time, let's go, we have now entered a new era of rebuilding where you're either contending or you're rebuilding. Mm-hmm. That has to be that has to be your two phases. You can't have a middle phase because you're relying on aging thirty some year old superstars mm-hmm. that once were, and they might cost you more. Too. And they're going to probably cost you more. That's a fair point as well. And you just you lack the injection mm-hmm. of new highly skilled players. And that's the the whole what the superstar replacement theory, if if you want to call it that. Uh, I look at Detroit. They went from Shanahan Eisenman to. Datsuk Zetterberg. Right. And then there was a gap. There was nobody to pick up the slack once Datsuk, Datsuk and Zetterberg tapered off. Now we're seeing, you know, the era of Raymond and, and Sider. Yes. Uh, taking Bertuzzi. Over Bertuzzi. Those guys taking over that team. Um, I, ta- I think I referred to the Ducks recently as a not almost like – yeah, they've been down in the standings for a little while, but they're not really missing a beat. Here the, we're seeing the tail end of the Getzlaff and Perry era. Yes. Turning into the Zegras and Terry era. Yes. Right? So there's a good uh, – it, it's – I think if you're a fan of that team, you have to be somewhat grateful. Yeah, you might have had a down couple of years, but to be able to look at the next generation of superstars instead of being like like I felt as a Leaf fan before like Matthews and those guys came along where you're like, where's our guy? Yeah. When are we getting that guy? Yeah. When are we getting that guy that everyone wants to see? The guy who's top of the scoring lead, the guy who's top of the highlight reels, the guy that... Everyone wants in fantasy. Exactly. <laughs> like we never had... That guy for years and years, you know, there was the gap from Matt's where it was like, well, we had Phil there for a bit, but like I, it, Phil, is Phil a was weird just one. a goal scorer. He's a goal scorer. I don't know if he's a superstar. He was right? a goal scorer. Right. He's really good at doing that, exactly. but it wasn't necessarily like I have to pay money today so I can go see Phil. So if you take the Sundin years to the and Matthews years, that is like eight years yeah. in between. So that's what I'm getting at, the mm-hmm. period. And, and it's funny that you mentioned, you did the calculation there of the eight years. My follow-up question to you, and maybe my closing argument here, was that I think it's five to eight. That's what I think. I, I think they used to think it was three to five. Mm-hmm. We could do this in, in three to five. That's not the case anymore. You like have when Brian, to hit. when Brian Burke came in and he took over the Leafs, he explicitly requested from the media and most of all from the fans that we give him five years. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that request, and I, the fan, was more than willing to give him the five. To my dismay, and I still say it to this day, to my dismay. They fired him in year four. Yeah. I think that was unfair. And I do. It, I'm not saying that in that fifth year, Berkey would have turned it right. around. We would have and won anything. I think anything. it's based on how they were trending, right? And the problem with it is if you're going to need five years, you probably expect more of a drastic change where it felt like Brian Burke's approach to the team was 
I'm going to get meaner, tougher, bigger, and a little more skilled, and that should do us. Right. You know, like, and there might have, for all we know, we might have had the, all this crazy shit and plans in the works that never came to fruition. I mean, we're talking about a time, too, when the Maple Leafs were not destination one, let alone top probably 15, yeah. you know, in the league that anybody wanted to come to. That's right. Um, so I think changing that culture, that perception, everything that really Shani does in, for the team and stood for is, is also made a difference in, in how you can approach a rebuild. Because if your team has a reputation, you know, the Ottawa Senators for, for not treating their guys right or not paying their guys, right. it makes it a lot harder for you to take that. All right, we hit on some first rounders. We got some good draft picks. Now we got to fill some holes. Now we got to we got to start trending upwards and start spending the money again. Yeah, you know if you're if you have a a, a sketchy rep, uh, rep, reputation as an organization, you might have a harder time doing that. Well, you can create some internal obstacles, uh, and for sure, we've seen that. I mean, we've seen that time and time again. Really, we you know I, I hate to keep harping on it, but Ottawa, uh, Buffalo, okay, um, those are those are a couple of really great examples. How sour are you if you're a Buffalo fan right now and you just saw Jack Eichel look like nothing had happened? Yeah, I mean, he... I he, know it took him a few games to get his, kind of his stride, but... He he's looks, almost a point per game right now. He looks pretty much he looks same comfy. as he was. He looks comfy. And he was back a lot sooner than I think was initially projected. Uh, about a month. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, he came back on the timeline that was described as best-case scenario. And yeah. that's why they say that. Listen, best case scenario, three months, three months and a couple of weeks, you know, and then worst case scenario, well, we don't know. Worst case scenario, he could never fucking play again. Yeah. So yeah, the worst case know, scenario in, in his case was pretty drastic. Yeah, it was so. pretty drastic. So he's come back. He's looked really good. Um, and I want to clarify, too, on my timeline. I said, you know, they used to think it was three to five and, and now it's five to eight. That's just my opinion as a hockey fan. Right. By no means necessary do I believe that it cannot be done in, yeah. in three to five. Uh, and it brings me back to what you just said a couple times, let's go throughout our conversation here, hitting on your picks. Everybody knows that. Yeah. It's and not it's, that's not a surprise to anybody. And certain teams have, have hit great on their picks. If you want to pat their scouts on the back, that's great. But sometimes a player falls to you and you, you weren't even planning on picking you yeah. planned on him being gone. So it's not really your scouts doing the draft a great job. Is such a crapshoot yeah, sometimes like someone fell to you. I hate to um I mean it's painful to play and any fan base can do it, but go look at the guys drafted after anybody really your team has picked over the years and you can odds are you'll find three to five guys who are better significantly and you're like oh why didn't anybody get this guy or yeah of course oh hindsight whatever. bias is the worst yeah now we <laughs> i, I well, say, we could have had this guy. i say is the maple Leafs though we have a long and uh difficult history from that because i remember doing that all the time all the time because we were so incredibly awful at the draft <laughs> awful for several years you know, drafting drafting guys because they're six foot four and not because they could stick handle. That's correct. Very frustrating. He's big. We want him. Yeah, Brian Burke era stuff, right? <laughs> hey, still has a job in the NHL though. You got to got to respect the man. Uh, okay, all right. So um, now that we've wrapped up the conversation, let me ask you a closing point here. In out in California, who is leading the way? L.A., Anaheim, San Jose. Who leads the charge for you there? Anaheim simply because of John Gibson. And I like the amount of offense they have. 
So you think John Gibson remains to see the team not only officially turn the corner but become a contending team? I think so because their future is a huge question mark if they don't. Whereas, say, you look over at L.A., we're at the, the end of Jonathan Quick and – Cal Peterson seems to be right. faring out okay yes, there. Yes, very much so. Kind of slowly taking the reins over. Um, San Jose, I don't know what to make of because San Jose is one of those teams that I feel like might be in denial. That, I agree. That might be like uh, we need we need to. I mean, and the main thing is they're buried under those contracts of Carlson, of uh, uh, Couture. Of uh, Brent Burns, yeah, and those guys are—they're old now, and, and it's—it's it's weird to think about. Like Logan Couture is old, like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The NHL standards of today, yeah, you're it's old. True. So, and what about Thomas Hurdle? I feel like with San Jose, well, it, Hurdle and and the emergence of Meyer is what makes them different. But I think with all that money tied up in those guys, it's going to be hard for them to transition to a, a younger up and coming competitive right. team. But Hurdle's a UFA, so that's why I brought him up right. because. I almost feel like they're at a crossroads right now. And while while no team outside of maybe Connor McDavid and Edmonton, uh, no team is truly defined by one or two players. I'll trade, if but, I'm San Jose, I'm trading them, see if they want Brent Burns or Eric Carlson. Yeah. But you see, so what I'm saying right now is Tomas Hurdle could be the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, in the sense that, what they decide to do with Hurdle is ultimately their decision as an organization. So if we elect to trade Hurdle away and get assets back for him, we have just announced our intention to rebuild. Mm-hmm. Or if we decide to sign Tomas Hurdle to a long-term deal, we have effectively announced to the hockey world that we're not going anywhere. Yeah, that they're essentially staying the course, but based on the results, staying the course isn't good enough right now, right? I don't now, think right? so. And they're, like, they're sitting in what? They're in the basement right now. Right. So it's not a – there's still – something has to give. So if Hurdle stays, then they've got to clear cap space elsewhere to continue to get better, unless they're just okay with kind of placating everyone by you know icing this team that you'd think, you'd think would be better, but – I just don't think they have it enough. But it's like it's unfortunate because I've seen many reports. Well, not many. I've seen multiple reports. Hurdle wants to stay, and the San Jose Sharks would like to retain Hurdle's services. But I'm thinking, I'm driving around in my car, and I'm hearing it, or I'm reading it somewhere, and I'm thinking, but I just don't think that that's the smart play. I I don't I I don't know. I, you got James Reimer in net. Yeah. <laughs> He's not doing half bad. No, no, he's not. I'm not knocking James Reimer, but I guess I kind of am. Never knock James Reimer. I guess Reimer. I kind of am. You know what I mean? Like, is that your bona fide number one? Like, a lot no, of But te- you look, look at the results. You don't have to look any further to the standings to say, like, you know, is this time to be investing in more long term contracts here, or is this time to clear them out? So, and get assets. Now, having Hurdle is not a bad thing, but he's your best chance at probably getting some assets, rental or not. Because that would be a massive yes, rental for a rental team. or not. You're, you're, I'm not going to necessarily call it a boatload, um, but you're but definitely getting I think something very valuable. Right, back I think for he's good services. enough that you're going to get a similar price that you would get, say, if you were uh, if you were trading with a year left. Oh, 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 for sure. A hockey deal with term, you're talking double the price. 
Mm-hmm. You're getting them for two playoff runs at that point in time. And I know we've had lots of conversations yeah. before. About- but I think he still commands a respectable enough price. He's not one of those guys where you go, well, as a rental, I'm not really going to get good value out of him, so we don't trade him. Right, of course. Yes. Because you're like, oh, well, we should have done it a year ago. But in, And the funny thing is, in hindsight, they haven't gotten any better than they were a year ago. No. Despite no. some of the good stories, like I was saying, Timo Meyer's lighting it up. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. James Reimer's doing well. They're still in. At the bottom line, they're an aging franchise. And here's a franchise that walked away from Joe Pavelski, who's having, I don't know, the comeback year yeah, of, of, all of all time. time. <laughs> he's 37. He's absolutely killing it with the Dallas Stars. It's true. It's true, man. Um, so the other problem with the Sharks, too, is that the teams immediately around them are becoming so much better. And that is also a common denominator mm-hmm. with teams like Detroit and Ottawa. Right. While they seem to be on the right track, the Atlantic Division... They're in the hardest division in hockey. The one, the only team that's falling back to them is the Boston Bruins. And just because the Boston Bruins... And that Bruins, gap is still large. Yeah, I was just going to say right. that. Just because the Boston Bruins are quote-unquote falling back, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden, as of next year, it's over. It's yeah. not a Cinderella story that just ends at midnight. It's, it's going to happen slowly, and it's kind of already starting to take shape. They're being replaced by other teams. I know I know, playoff success matters, but I'm talking about standings, regular season stuff. Mm-hmm. They've been surplanted uh, by some other teams. The Washington Capitals have been surplanted mm-hmm. by some other teams. You know, it just happens. That's the vicious cycle of sports, but when you break it down into these divisions and how the playoffs are formatted, it becomes even more difficult to get yourself out of that hole without completely blowing it up yeah. and saying we're done. We're taking probably five to seven years to rectify this thing. Yeah. And I don't think anybody ever wants it to be that long and probably wouldn't tell you if they truly believed it would take that long to be uh, at all. Um, but it's just kind of the nature of the beast too, being in this in the cap era, right? It's we see so many risky uh, deals, we see so many risky moves, and we see teams kind of going in one direction or the other. We're either tearing it down or we're building it up, right? But there's kind of no room for in between um, in the sport anymore because it's just not good value for your money, right? Of and course. value for your money has become obviously paramount importance with the way the league's structured. And it, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, we spend all this time about, you know, we spend time trashing guys because uh, we think they cost too much, Yeah, you know, and, and it, we really lose sight of, you know, the spirit of the sport for the business all of a sudden enters our, our common debates over this guy versus that guy, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't, it, it's so much different, and and it's crazy how much it's changed our perspective. Well, let's we, not let's we'll, not go ahead. We'll hang on to that thought because I think we could do a whole episode worth of, of the right. business side and right. and the evolution of the cap and where the cap is going to. Um, I, I I read a bit of uh, Ron McLean's book from 2011 where he he really told the story. I thought very well of of how it went down back in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah, and kind of where they were at that point in time in 2011. Well, it's funny you bring up the cap because that's exactly where I was going to go just to finish the point. I was going to say, let's not kid ourselves with, yes, we were having cap-related discussions in 2012, 13, 14, right? Like even recently as of five to 10 years ago, we were having the same conversations, but they were different conversations than they are today solely due to the fact that the global pandemic has halted the cap increase, which Mm -hmm. otherwise should have been 
rather substantial. Yeah, and because of budgeted in Seattle projections. Yeah, Seattle and the the television, the new television deal. I mean, I I think you could fact check me on this, uh, listeners, but I think. By this point in time, or perhaps next year, I I had thought that the cap was projected to be going upwards of around a hundred million. Oh, I just shudder thinking about it. You know, and I know people like to I know people yeah. like to equate the increase in the cap as to a player, which we've talked about this before, which is actually incorrect. Just because the cap goes up by nine million, that doesn't mean that you can get a first line, mm-hmm. second line. Uh, player or a number one goalie or a number one D-man. What that means is all that extra money gets allocated to your players that you already have. Mm-hmm. It's very weird to think of it that way, though, right? Because it's like, well, the cap's going up. We can just go get our third liner. No, you can't. The cap is going up. It's all relative. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all relative. The guys that need to be paid now, they're being paid even more because right. their contracts, lucky for them, their contracts came due yeah. when the cap jumped That's up. what happens most often. You just see it reallocated to the same, retaining the same players. Um, it, it's really interesting, too, with the pandemic and, and kind of the decimation of HR hockey related revenue and the fact that you know the players are offsetting losses for teams that normally would lose money say Arizona whatnot and now that you know these teams lost even more money last year that's right than they normally did and the Very players so. have to offset that right like that is that's where the you know not only did the players take it the arse for lack of a better term, back in the mid-2000s over the cap. You know, stood firm against the cap, ended up compromising for a cap after a lost season, basically lost a billion dollars. Yes. And then here they are now subsidizing Jerry's experiments south of the border (laughs) and have no say in whether Arizona stays or plays in a 5,000-seater arena or not. Because i got to tell you that I can imagine that the players, especially the ones that make a lot of money and are, you know, disproportionately we'll say subsidizing these failing franchises they pro- true. they've got to have a lot to say about it but they have no say it, they have no they impact have no input they yeah. have no power there it when is. it comes to how the nhl spends their money that's right that they're taking from them so it's, it's true it's really 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 interesting and you know if it weren't for the the jam they were in i i could have seen a prolonged battle over that last time that they renewed it uh, in between the pandemic uh, bubble, I guess, um, in 2020. Which, let's hearken back, that was impressive. Like, as a, as a fan standpoint, thank God they did it because yes. we don't give a shit ultimately. But uh, you had to think that would have been 10 times messy if they weren't in a position of, we need to play hockey like now. Yes, you know, it's true. It, it was because they had already missed hockey. It's like there was a pre-lockout. Yeah, but it wasn't officially a lockout. <laughs> right, but because they had lost so much money, everybody just wanted to play. It's like, yeah, we'll just renew it uh, on the condition of the Olympics. They didn't even end up going to anyway. So. That's so true, man. That's so true. And you know what? I like your point about maybe having an entire segment about the the business side of things. And it sounds like a boring topic, but the more that I hear you talk about it, like you have more of a – what am I trying to say? You have more of a handle on the economical side of businesses and how they're run and stuff. Like I, I have a working knowledge of it, but I appreciate what you bring to the table because oftentimes I find myself getting lost when we're talking about escrow and what percentage of this is retained and then they have to pay it back or the owners might have, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of, 
behind the scenes stuff that the regular Joe and Jane just watching the game on their TV, they don't get it. They yeah. don't really get, and that's nothing against them. They're and just I, a fan. And, and I tend to tune it out a lot of the time. Right. And as know? do I, but it would be worth a deep dive mm-hmm. to look and say, you know what, let's go. Did you know that back in 1999, the players were actually paying, etc. insert, insert, uh, statement that you find very fascinating hey, the because fascinating the league thing about 1999 is that their best players were making more money, <laughs> right? But the, the league has evolved so much, yeah. and it's not just on a like a macro economical yeah. scale. It's on like the way contracts are now limited in numbers and years, or for example, the way players approach. UFA status and stuff like things have changed the mindsets of the players maybe the agents have evolved as well they deserve some credit here as well you know navigating contracts for their players advising their players of what they feel is best for their future and I look you you need look no further than a guy like Austin Matthews who was able to sign his contract directly into UFA status and a lot of people like to say oh it's because he wants to get out of Toronto and I I don't know this for sure but I've I believe my opinion here to be correct in the sense that no, that's not why he did it. He did it because he wants to he wants to make more money. He wants to bank on himself. Why would you sign a deal for so long and know that you're going to be underpaid by five million dollars only four years into your eight year deal? You're losing five million dollars per season. Like yeah. that makes no sense. Yeah, he's also the kind of guy who can I feel like he can name his price and stick to it and eventually somebody's going to pay it. But right? the, the, the thing that works out in our favor big time, Lesko, is that when his deal does come up, we're going to be the only team that can give him the extra year. That and... Uh, if he wants it, of course. At that point in time, maybe now he's been through some yeah. injuries and he truly... Did, like, he broke his femur um, as a teenager, right? So he's been through some very significant injuries already and he's only whatever he is, 20... How old is he? Why do I not know this? 24? 23? 24. 24. You know, like, he's only 24 years old, and he's already seen things kind of flash before his eyes. Your your career could be over in a moment's glance. So maybe the next deal is the seven or eight year I'm going to be here and, and likely retire here type of deal. And if that's the way it's going to be with the Toronto Maple Leafs, then fuck, I'm happier than a pig in mud, bro. Yeah, I and, you know... Based on from what we can see, there's there's not a whole hell of a lot of concern over, you know, whether or not he's going to be or he's happy or something like right. that. So, right, not something I'm worried about at all. Well, um, do you want to uh, hear what Mr. Alex Hobson has to say on the topic? Yeah. Now that we've kind of blended ourselves into the topic of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Absolutely. We'll get him on the phone here. Look at this live uh, live calling here. You can even hear the ringtone. And that's something that would be great if he just ghosted us. And he's like, yeah, sorry, guys, I can't. Uh, I don't think I can handle The show can't handle another Yeah, one. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just going to have to ignore your call here. That would be pretty devastating. Get flushed. Oh, are you there, boss? Hey, there we go. Are you there, boss? I'm here. Do you have us? <laughs> How's it going, bud? Okay, right on. It's going great, man. Alex Hobson. Are we live? We're live, bro. We're Bill Fucking O'Reilly. Rights, we're live. We're Love Bill it. O'Reilly right now. Um, just like last time. That's right. I just want to confirm that we got some good audio. You you getting me uh, nice and cleanly, uh, Hobson? Yeah, yeah. I think more importantly, are you getting me cleanly? Yeah. I'm, I've got my mic plugged in. I'm just not sure if it's, no. you're picking up my shitty-ass webcam mic or my actual mic. So No, you sound fantastic, bro. Okay. You sound better than I remember. Love it. How about yeah, Lesko? You wouldn't you... have been... <laughs> Go ahead, bud. 
Oh, I was just gonna say you wouldn't have been saying that uh, if I if I wasn't using my uh, my my proper mic. So I'll take that as a grain of confidence. You'd be like yelling and screaming at us from the end of a long dark hallway. <laughs> it like I I would literally sound like I'm yelling at you through like a tin can. Like okay. that's what it sounds like. If that makes any sense at all. All right, well, uh, let's go. Give him a mic check. You got Lesko over there. Yeah, you got me there, Hobson. Fucking rights, I do. Okay, good beauty. stuff. Good stuff, man. So I mean, you should have all this po- podcast and stuff like down pat at this point because we have an idea on the show for about two and a half years but i think all you've done is podcast since uh <laughs> since we've last had you and and obviously we saw uh you've been taking up writing there with the hockey writers you were doing the abs for a bit now you're doing the leafs why don't you catch us up on uh on you know all the all the exciting things going on in the career of alex hobson your trajectory but <laughs> the trajectory is off the let's charts let's hear it Jesus, this uh, that you guys really just put things into perspective for me for a second because the last time I was on the show was the day that Sheldon Keefe was hired. That's right, so, right. If this is like this is like the longest awaited recap episode that that uh, <laughs> that's ever existed. Um, yeah, no, I mean I, I I've definitely made some strides since then. I I, uh, I joined the hockey writers about a year after I last joined uh, the Puck Pod. There, um, uh, joined the hockey writers in October of 2020. I started covering the Colorado Avalanche over there because they didn't have a spot open on the Leafs team. And then I uh, did some World Juniors coverage in between, a little bit of draft stuff too. And then uh, about four months after I got there, February 2021, the uh, spot opened up for me on the Leafs team there. And uh, yeah, I took it running and I've been laughing ever since. I mean, I'm pretty... Uh, uh, I'm pretty fired up over over the idea of just be, you know being able to cover a team that I cheer for. Of course, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you know I, there was nothing wrong with covering Colorado. I mean, a lot of people refer to Colorado as you know the Leafs of the West because they can't get past the second round. Leafs can't get past the first round. So right. It, 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 you know, if I'm not going to cover the Leafs, I'd like to cover the Avs. But uh, this is the team that I grew up cheering for, and the team that I grew up with all my knowledge for. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, couldn't be happier to be where I am right now and uh, part of a great crew at the Hockey Raiders. And uh, most importantly, I couldn't be more fired up to be back on the show, boys. So, hey, yeah, right on, buddy. Back. Hey, anytime, man. We're, we're lucky to have you, Long bud. overdue. Um, the guy's going to have a verified profile soon on Twitter, so it's oh, a big deal. Easy, um, On the Avalanche, you know, exciting team to cover. Um, when you were able to make the switch from the Avalanche over to the Leafs, was that something that, like, you know, and, and don't be afraid to pump your tires, man, because I read your stuff and it's great. Like you have zero grammatical errors, which in my opinion is is first and foremost. That's important. I, I can't take you seriously uh, if you can't spell there. Um, you know, but it, it, it's great. It reads well. I, I, I really I, I soak it all in. I enjoy every minute of it. I'm not going to lie to you. So don't be afraid to pump your own tires. My question is like. Did they know that you were in the weeds waiting for the Leafs or were, did you annoy your editor or your boss 17,000 times? Hey man, just so you know, I'm ready to go for the Leafs, eh? Or like, was it something that a combination of you being a huge Leaf fan and also, hey, you know what? His work is good and our traffic with the Leafs, as we can all know as hockey fans, is likely greater than many other teams. So we'll, we'll, we'll put this guy uh, in the spotlight. How did that go for you? I, I would say it was a little bit of both, but I more than anything, I definitely didn't hound my editor over there. I was pretty scared shitless to talk to them for the <laughs> first couple of months I was there. I was only like, I think, 19, 20 years old when I started there. Fair enough. But um, yeah, so uh, I actually, when, when, I got the, when I got the job covering the avalanche there, I actually was kind of fired up about it because, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name drop, but you guys know where I was before the hockey writers. And I was just, it it should say a lot that I was more excited to cover a team that I don't even cheer for than I was to keep covering the team. I do cheer for at the old place. Of course. So 
I was just excited to get to the hockey writers and I figured it'd be a new challenge. You know, you get to, um, you get to have some experience covering a team where there will be no bias. Like I, I'm not a Colorado avalanche fan at all. And like I said, like I, I, I know I just said that I like following the team and I enjoyed writing about them, but like, I don't have any emotional ties to the Avs. Right. So everything, every game that I would watch and, uh, every, every topic that I would tackle, um, I, 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 there would be no bias. And I think that was the thing that I was really enjoying at the time. I actually got the opportunity to write a pretty cool piece on uh, Kale McCarr at the time. He had potential to become only the second defenseman in NHL history, I believe, to, uh, or not the second defenseman, but he had, he had potential to join the record books as one of the only defensemen to win the Calder and then the Norris back to back. And obviously that didn't end up happening, but it was still a pretty cool piece for me to be able to write. Um, and yeah, by the time that, uh, my editor Kyle asked me if I'd be interested in covering the Leafs. I actually wasn't, I wasn't expecting, it. I thought I was going to be with the Avs for a long time, but uh, I did mention to him off the top when I got the job that I was a Leafs fan and I'd be most comfortable covering them. So he said, okay, we'll put you on the wait list. Uh, I thought I was going to be on the wait list for a lot longer than four months. But... <laughs> yeah, no doubt. 14 years, maybe get in yeah, line. Bud. I know. Honest to God, yeah, like we're talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs here. Like, dude, this should tell you enough right now. The Toronto, like, we have a couple of credentialed writers with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they can't go into the dressing room at the games because there's just not enough room for them. Okay. Oh, wow. That should that should tell you how fucking busy and how high demand the Leafs are no in doubt. terms of content. So I figured, you know what, I'm probably going to be sitting here waiting until I'm 40 years old to write about the Leafs. But I mean, five four months later, they had the opportunity for me, and uh, yeah, I just took it and ran, and I've been going ever since. Well, it's a good thing the waiting list to cover the Leafs isn't as long as it is to see them or get season tickets. So <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Sounds like that worked out pretty well for you. And let's go. Or no, not let's go. Sorry, Hobson on your uh, on your nameless uh, prior uh, career choice. You were dangerously close to becoming a parody account for the rest of your life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hot take Hobson here with my weekly oh my segment. <laughs> oh yeah, I know that that, that would have been a lot of fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> hey, you got to cut your teeth somewhere, and it's good. For, it's good for you to go in and get the experience wherever you had the opportunity to do it. And even more impressive that you're able to uh, build on that and 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 you know get somewhere where you're a little happier, a little more comfortable. Um, now I hear that the band's hitting the stage again. I imagine things are picking up down Southern Ontario way for you. No servers. Uh, what was that like? You know, having a, a couple of years without being able to, to, you know, get out there and rip it up. Oh man, it was. Uh, I, I don't even have words to describe how awesome it was to be able to get back on stage. You know, there's six guys in my band, including me. So it's it, it's you think coordinating band practices and shows with a band of like three or four guys is hard. Try it with six. It's no not kidding. Easy. Wow. <laughs> so. Uh, and, you know, and then between, you know, over the past two years, there was all this worry about, you know, bouncing in and out of lockdown here in Ontario, whether or not the six of us would even be able to get together and practice, let alone play shows. Uh, there was a lot of uncertainty. And I can say with confidence that over the two years of the pandemic until recently, uh, so I guess we'll, we'll call it like 18 months, um, I had gotten together three times with my band through that time, one for practice. And then the other two times were to go to my cottage to just trip on LSD for three days. Um, <laughs> Typical well, band really stuff. <laughs> yeah, literally like there wasn't too, too much productivity going on in terms of getting shows and writing music and stuff like that. But, um, so that just made it all the more sweet. By the time we, uh, we got back on the stage, we played our first show, uh, um, back yet uh in in kitchener at this venue called maxwell's in december and it's a pretty it's it's kind of like the place in kitchener you, you know we've had acts like the trues and big rec play there before so it's kind of cool you know 
it's kind of like that realm of bands and it was really cool because we had all our friends and family come out and like there was there were there were a bunch of local bands on the show and the, it, it actually ended up like selling way more tickets than I thought it would. I had one of those typical, you know, you're behind the curtain, you peek through and there's just a fucking packed house there. <laughs> nice. Moments and I was just I was so fired up and uh yeah, things are thankfully starting to pick up again. We've got a we've got a show this uh this Friday in Niagara and uh I think we got another one in Guelph coming up in a couple of weeks. So we're, we're getting back into it and we're starting to record some new music too. So, Oh, right on, man. So again, for our listeners speaking with uh, Alex Hobson here, you can follow him on Twitter, a Hobson media. As I look at his wonderful background photo of Jason Spetz's goofy ass. Best grin. header. It is, Best header. it is a pretty good <laughs> header. Uh, so we see it on here. Uh, NC radio, 22 Leafs and draft world junior championship contributor for the hockey writer, co-host of the at sticks in the six pod. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, uh, actually, before we move on, on, on the band, um, you know, I, I, you, you're, uh, you, you like to keep me posted on how things are going and, uh, you know, maybe asking me for a little bit of feedback on some, on some rough stuff. And I really appreciate that, Alex. Uh, uh, you guys are sounding pretty good. I'm wondering if maybe someday we might be able to do a double header sawmill road and no service. Oh, buddy. <laughs> We haven't played Ottawa yet. That's all I'm going to say. So wouldn't that be nice? I think that's, eh? Yeah, I mean that's that, that's not exactly a halfway point, but I'd fuck. I'd be willing to make the trip to Ottawa to do a show with Sawmill Row. That'd be sick. You right guys on, go buddy. sell yourselves the package deal, like yeah. uh, like Step Brothers there in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh and God. then after the show, we'll yell and scream at each other about which which goalie we should start. It'll be great. Oh man, why don't we do that during the show? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, bro. All right, what do you guys want to hear? Play Freebird. Start Morazic. Yes, start Morazic. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yeah. I did. I did want to ask you about the the Sticks in the Six podcast. Um, so you can follow that as well at Sticks in the Six Pod, and there's X's instead of CKS's. Okay, you guys can figure it out on your own. Um, right. How uh, how are things going there? Uh, what um, you guys have like many guests appearing on the show? How, how does that work? Maybe plug the show a little bit here on the pod. Yeah. Yeah, I joined Sticks in the Six back in August uh, this year. Well, we did our first episode in September, but I kind of joined the boys in August. Um, they're uh, affiliated with THW, so I saw a really cool opportunity there. They were looking for a third co-host. Uh, me and my uh, my two co-hosts, Andrew Forbes and Peter Barracchini. You can, uh, for those listening right now, you can follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes, and then Peter Barracchini at P Barracchini. I, I I'm not going to spell his name out loud. You can probably search it and find it, but uh, it's Italian. Um, yeah. I, I, I joined those two boys and uh, it's it, it's been a lot of fun. We've had some really cool guests. We've kind of hit a bit, bit of a dry spell for guests over the past couple of months, but we are looking at uh, things are starting to pick up again. We uh, Back in September, we talked to Mark Masters to kind of tee up the, uh, the Leafs season. We talked to Mike Comito, who is a uh, contributor for the LA Kings, and he also is the team historian for the Sudbury Wolves, which I didn't even know was a job title until we interviewed him. Cool. Um, but it's really cool. He actually has uh, – Comito actually has two books out. Uh, called Hockey 365. He's got two editions, the first period and the second period, and it's essentially just a compilation of, like, on this day in hockey history for every day of the year. Yeah, so, he's a good follow it, on Twitter as well. He's, he's posting definitely stuff, a yeah. good. Yeah, he's a great follow, and super, super nice guy too. So, uh, yeah, th- those are two of the coolest guests. Oh, I'll also mention uh, – we also had the opportunity to interview Alex Bishop, who, uh, if you follow the Leafs, you know that he was the emergency backup for that game against Ottawa, uh, three games into right. the season, and uh, got to pick his brain and talk about his experience being uh, 
uh, being a leaf for a day, essentially. He said he got to do 40 minutes of one-on-one with Austin Matthews. So, I mean, oh. that's, that's a pretty cool experience. <laughs> is, a, is that um, like fantasy camp stuff? Like, I it, would strap it, on the pads and take those shots just, just for it. <laughs> just for the opportunity. Dude, do you know what? Do you know what the p- funniest part about that interview was? At the end, I remember asking him. Because apparently, um, the way that it works with the Leafs is that they've got a rotation of guys that they use as their emergency backup. So, obviously, the, everyone's favorite... Ebug David Ayers is in the rotation. They've got, uh, yep, they've got Alex Bishop in there, and apparently Bishop actually missed starting for Carolina in that game, the David Ayers game, by oh. one game. So he was right there. If Ayers wasn't going to play, it was like Alex Bishop was right up next. So I asked him about that. I said, "Do you ever sit back and think about like?" How, you know, if David Ayers couldn't make it or whatever, it would, that day would have been looked back at as the Alex Bishop game instead of the David Ayers game. And he goes, fuck no. I don't even want to imagine. <laughs> 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 and I understand that because, you know, I'm, I'm picturing being in sitting in his shoes during that game that he was the bug for. And, you know, you're sitting on the bench and fuck, man, if Jack Campbell goes down with an injury, you're, you're an NHL player all of a sudden. So, yeah. uh, that would be I'd, I'd be shaking in my boots if I was in his scenario. So, uh, yeah, he was a really cool guest of ours. Um, and we do have a couple of really cool guests that we're looking to line up over the next couple of uh, couple of months, as well as some other developments with with our pod that I uh, can't really share right now. But they're uh, things are looking up. I'll put it that way. Hey, hey everybody go, loves a good juicy lead. Yeah, you'll have to listen, mm-hmm. uh, listen to the sticks and the six to find out, I guess. Um, let's dive into a little bit of Leafs talk here, Hobson. Uh, obviously, our bread and butter and same with yours. Um, I, I did want to get your thoughts on the uh, Labushkin trade. Um, maybe not so much to do with the weird waiver stuff that happened and you know picking apart the Arizona Coyotes, but uh, what, how you thought he's fit in with the Maple Leafs so far? Because to be honest, I, I, I didn't have the highest of hopes. I know the numbers guys liked him, but I've been fairly impressed right now and simply because I saw him cross-check a few guys in front of the net. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, I actually remember when that happened, I cheered louder for that clear on Oliver Bjorkstrand louder than I did for any of the Leaf schools. <laughs> like, <laughs> so true. I'm not even, I'm not even like an old time rock'em sock'em type of fan, but you know, after seeing the Leafs allow so many goals that could have easily been prevented just by throwing the body and playing, playing the, uh, playing the opposition in front of the net and clearing them out of the crease to see, uh, see someone finally do that got me right fired up. Um, but no, I mean, in the words of in the words of Ricky from Trailer Park Boys, Kyle Dubas got two birds stoned at once with this trade. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I think, the Leafs were already going to be looking for uh, one of those guys that can fill the role that Labushkin's filled, where you you know you've got a guy that isn't going to contribute any offense, but he's there to throw the body, play solid defense, clear guys out of the crease, pretty much exactly what Zach Bogosian did last year. Right, and you know. The Leafs have a great – I think the Leafs' defense as a whole this year and last year have been light years better than they have been in the past. But there is a slight difference this year compared to last year, and that was the the absence of Zach, Bo, uh, Zach Bogosian. But obviously they've seemed to fill that hole a little bit with Labushkin. And I think – I agree with you, Lesko, when you say, you know, I've been pretty impressed with the way he's played so far. Like I said, the Leafs didn't really have a guy who could – could play that role after losing Bogo. So uh, it's nice to have a physical force on the back end there. But the main thing that sticks out to the, about me, or sorry, sticks out to me about that trade is the fact that they were able to get rid of Nick Ritchie in the process yeah, yeah. without, w- without having to like, cause I remember when, when there was talk of trading Richie, I kept hearing all of these people in the media saying that, you know, if, if, if the Leafs are going to trade Nick Ritchie, they're going to have to basically pull a, 
pull a mini version of the Patrick Marlowe trade, give up like a second round, give pick, guys away, get nothing, get nothing in return. All you're doing is shedding the salary. Mm-hmm. So the Leafs did that, but they were able to get Labushkin in return. So I think, I think that was a great move on Dubas's part. You well, know? he gets a serviceable um, player and in, in return for something that in, in itself is a win. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They, you know, they're getting a guy that, that that's it's pretty Labushin was pretty much just a cherry on top on top of shedding Richie's salary and uh clearing that cap space for the deadline getting a guy who can fill the role of what Bogo had last year is uh that's that's why I said like you're 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 pretty much addressing two needs at once so I I personally couldn't be happier with how the trade turned out uh it would have been cool to get a look at Ryan Dezingle in a Leafs jersey but I'm really not losing any sleep over losing him on waivers. If anything, I think that may have made their lives even harder because then you've got another body to work with on the uh, on the tr- on the contracts list. But uh, no, I think Labushkin's a great start to addressing the defensive core. I think there's probably still another move to be made there, but it's a good start for sure. Well, you yeah. looked at uh, you mentioned losing Dezingle on waivers, Lesko. I think you had something in the prep yeah, earlier yeah, about, some... about how many times the Leafs have lost waiver pickups. Like yeah. honestly, before you before you <laughs> break down the numbers, like. Is it is that not a feather in the cap of the general manager of the team that has all of his waiver selections getting sniped? It, it has, has to be. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I I saw a lot of chatter on this. Every time, most recently, that a Leaf player gets claimed on waivers, I think it's happened three or four times this season. Uh, people are like, oh, I swear, like the Leafs, it seems every guy. So uh, I actually was able to get a hold of some stats here. So. The teams to lose the most players off of waivers since 2018, uh, there were 29 claims in that time span, and Toronto leads the way with 11 of 11. those 29. The second oh my God. closest is Winnipeg and Montreal tied with six. Like, that's yeah. a noticeable gap. That's a huge gap. So you've got to <laughs> pat Kyle on the back a little bit, indirectly, at least for that. I couldn't agree more with that. I also love. I saw this meme after uh, Winnipeg claimed Brooks, and it was like it was Mark Shifley in the dressing room, and it was like, "Hey boys, is there anything better than claiming the Leafs?" That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. My favorite part That's about great, that eh? Shifley quote was that Paul Maurice re- retired like two days later after coaching for twenty five <laughs> <I know>. years. <laughs> I know twenty five years. He's like, I've heard enough of this shit. Well, he knew that the yeah. guys were going down without the ship. The funny thing is, is that's an interesting conversation just to jump away from the Leafs for a moment. You look at the Winnipeg Jets; they are the outlier. And when I say the outlier, I'm talking about teams that play well after a coaching change. It just it's it's like it's like gravity. Yeah. You fire the coach, you get a new coach in, you could bring Josh Coleman in to coach the team <laughs> and they'd have a sugar rush. Uh, yeah. bounce back. Every, it happens with every team. It happens yeah. with every team. And you look at the mm-hmm. Winnipeg Jets, they have just completely tanked and people say, "Well, the Jets would have been fine if Maurice hadn't uh, decided to quit or retire and and I go I don't know not so fast like th- this mm-hmm. may have been something that was easily noticeable from the inside and Paul Maurice of course on the inside may have seen something and said I'm not here for this and then I know yeah. we're joking about the Shifley quote but like a part of me kind of thinks that that could actually be at least like 
kind of true. <laughs> like I'm already, yeah. I'm already ready to retire and I'm kind of sick of this COVID thing and the team. I don't see much of a future there. And my fucking captain just went into the dressing room and pronounced to or proclaimed to the fucking world that their Stanley Cup is beating the Leafs in December. I know. <laughs> it's always about the Leafs, baby. Right. And it's actually fun. It's funny that you mentioned the Jets just there because the article I was writing right before I hopped on was three trade targets on the Jets for the Leafs. Oh. So I, I noticed I, I noticed I was doing some uh I was doing some looking at the standings and the Jets are like seven seven points out of a wild card spot right now. Oh yeah, they're trade toast. deadlines two weeks away. So I I mean unless they pull some St. Louis Blues Jordan Bennington type of Cinderella runouts out of their asses, I think that they're gonna be selling at the deadline. No, it's they not actually possible. have a couple of they have yeah, they have a couple of guys on the on the team that I think the Leafs should be interested in. So cool. what do you got? Yeah. Yeah. Um Were yeah, you... well I'll give you I'll give you the exclusive leak right here. <laughs> um, yes, here we so, go. Especially since, you know, by the time this episode's out, the article will already be released. So I guess it's not much of a leak, but it is for you guys. And that's that's all that matters. We'll take it. Um, yeah. So uh, the targets I'm looking at are Brendan Dillon, Dillon DeMello, and Andrew Kopp. Oh, interesting. See, I, so, I was all on Dillon DeMello like when DeMello. he was a UFA. Like, mm-hmm. he was interesting to me then. And right-handed, if I'm correct. Is, is that true? Yes. And so Brendan Dillon and... And Demello, I'm, I I, I got to stop saying those two names back. Yeah, to back. I get those guys confused. Now they're on the same team. <laughs> Put Andrew Cop in between, oh, bro. Do yourself a favor. Put Cop <laughs> yeah. in between. Well, I got to compare the two defensemen because oh, they true. literally check off all the boxes that Kyle Dubas said he wanted to address at the deadline. He wants to go for a defenseman. He said that was priority number one. He said he wants to go for a guy with term. Both of those guys are under. They're on the books for two more years after this, I think. Beauty. And they're both making affordable salaries. Like I think Dylan's making. Uh, 3.6 a year and DeMello's making like 3 million a year. So those are moves that could be made and they both play DeMello to my knowledge is more of a, he's more of like a TJ Brody type where, I mean, you guys did the episode called coaches porn a couple years ago after <laughs> Paul Maurice's quote there. Um, DeMello's like, he goes out there, he does all the little things. So right to the point where you don't notice him out there. I think that's the type of defenseman every team wants. And Brendan Dillon's a little more of a, He's a little more of an in-your-face kind of guy. He'll he'll clear guys out in front of the net. He'll he'll throw the body. I think he's second on the Jets and hits. So those are two guys that I think would be realistic for the Leafs to go after. Andrew Kopp is a little less of an option, I think, because um, he's uh, he's a UFA after this year and he's a forward. So I don't know. I, I based on the way that some teams have traded for guys like Andrew Kopp in the past. I feel like the price would probably start at a first round pick. Ooh. And I also saw, I saw in Friedman's 32 thoughts piece today that uh, the front runners for Kopp are supposed to be Colorado and Boston. So, you know, Kopp's a great player. He's got like 31 points in 51 games or something this year. He can play. He, he, he leads the jets in penalty killing. Like he's killed more penalties than any forward on the jets. Um, and he also plays on their power play. So, you know, he can help in all three zones, but it's one of those things where if the Leafs are going to be bidding against Colorado and Boston, two teams that are both very much in the race as well, uh, is it is it worth forking over the price for him? And yeah. I don't think it is. I still included him on the list just because you know Kyle Dubas doesn't let anything leak to the media. He could pull he could pull a trade for anyone out of his ass, and I wouldn't be surprised. So I included him on there. But yeah, a couple guys on the Jets definitely worth looking at. Yeah, I, I like that. And I don't know if I'm just being nostalgic, but. Like for me, trade targets out here. I I just keep wanting Mark Giordano, especially after seeing oh. him. And I hearken back to that Brody Giordano pairing. Yes, not necessarily you put them together now, 
but man, that maybe that's why it's bleeding into my mind that I want him so bad is that they were like, what did they play together for a decade? Yeah, and they were you know one of the top pairs in the NHL. So yeah. I, I think of that veteran leadership, a guy who you know was not afraid to get dirty, a guy who contributes in multiple ways, a leadership guy, a guy who's been on playoff runs. I I, I maybe I over um, I overvalue that kind of shit compared to the average fan. But uh, that's that's the guy. Oh, I personally look after. I don't know about you, Coleman. If if there's somebody you you're eyeing for trade targets, not really. To be honest with you, I could be described as a head in the sand uh, <laughs> fan at this point <laughs> at this moment in time, and I, I I would have to blame the loss against the Montreal Canadiens just because oh. the my my emotional state while watching the games now is incredibly different than it was oh, before. Dude. And I don't think that that, I mean, if we go to the Eastern conference finals, you're going to see the old me jumping around, but it's just the fact of the matter when you've lost so, so many times, like we have, you start to change and the, like you're overvaluing Mark Giordano that whether you're aware of it or not, that could be a part of your emotional change. Why are you overvaluing leadership qualities and a guy that you want at the team dinner? Like you're talking, you know what I mean? Like these are off ice things that don't generally matter, but they do, they do to us because intangibles is something that we've, we don't know what that means and we're sick of losing and you start to overvalue certain things that you wouldn't have done so in the past. So Coleman, I got to butt in here for a second yeah. because I just got to, I got to agree with you to the fullest extent. And it, you know, I'm sure this is going to sound hilarious to you coming from me because I've only really started watching in like 2006, but Holy shit, man. Like that, that loss to Montreal changed me as a hockey fan. Yeah. I'm right there with you, dude. I was, I was talking to my buddies about this the other day. It's so funny because it's almost like when the Leafs win, I'm still my regular old self. I'll get fired the fuck up over a win. Like I was getting fired up last night against uh, Seattle. I was getting fired up. I get fired up during every Leafs win. Right. But when they lose, I, I go to bed and I wake up the next morning. I like don't care. <laughs> it doesn't I genuinely matter. do not give a shit. Yeah. Well, because the thing is, it's it's like it's like you got to find the balance, and this is what I've done. I've kind of found the balance of okay, I I I enjoy being a hockey fan, so I want to cheer for my team when they're doing well. But if they're not doing well, if they if they lose during the regular season, I think it's pretty safe to say they're going to make the playoffs this year. So it's like when they lose during the regular season, it's just it's not worth it's not worth losing sleep over. No, you know. And I no, think, nothing is going to matter until they do something in the playoffs. And it's like, I'm, I'm enjoying the stuff that I can enjoy during the season. And I'm not worrying about the shit that's out of my control. I think that's, that's, that's a great approach, man. Cause like I, I was similar where it's like, they lose, I'd be grumpy. I'd be grumpy. Pissy, yeah. And you know, my wife oh, yeah. wouldn't want to be around me and stuff like 100%. that. And, and now it's like, you know, they were losing. I think they were down two nothing. I'm like, all right, I'm playing video games. Fuck this. Yeah. I'm not sitting through <laughs> this. You know, like I, it was, and and I guess it, maybe it's a luxury, like you're saying, Alex. They're going to make the playoffs. They're a good enough team that a loss on a Monday night against Montreal or Buffalo, although embarrassing and shitty, I'm just not going to watch it. And I'm not going to sit here and like try and reach into how this might translate to success in April. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like I'm not going to yeah. overanalyze a game where where they didn't even look like you know they didn't even play. Like it's 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 frustrating as hell, and I think that's just. That's the world we live in, though. Like, you know, guys like you and I live on Twitter all the time. We're living in that space where people are shitting on this team. And it's like, 
Were you watching them 10 years ago? Yeah. Because like, yeah. we're so used to shitting on them, so we jump on a chance. We're like, oh, it's time to shit on them again. And we're used to that. We feed off that negative energy. But it's it's debilitating as a fan. And I, like, I'm with you. I'm fed up with it. I just can't keep doing it. Yeah. And you know what? It's like I, the other funny part, too, is like we talk about how the Leafs are good enough to make the playoffs, and that's a luxury of, of how they have right now. And I keep hearing about like – Oh, well, you know what? Like every time they have a bad game, I keep hearing fans talk about, oh, well, you know, man, shit like this isn't going to fly in the playoffs against Florida or against Tampa Bay. And it's like, well, okay, you're right. But shall I take a second to remind you how good the teams were? The last two teams were that the Leafs were eliminated by. Montreal and Columbus. Like, <laughs> where is the fucking the yeah. Leafs can't the Leafs can't beat bad teams in the playoffs. Yeah. They've shown in the past two weeks that they suck ass against bad teams. They can't teams, play bad so teams like, in the season. It, Exactly. So it's like, what? Like, why are you stressing about playing a good team? They do better against good teams. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I and honestly, these this recent, I, I okay. So we'll have this discussion now. The recent losses to crappy teams. We looked like we had a, a pillow in the schedule here. We had Vancouver, Buffalo, Montreal. We lost to all of them. Some of them in embarrassing fashion. So I, I guess what's the level of concern with the boys here about? losing these games because I think a, a good chunk of those losses can be attributed to poor goaltending and that is a discussion on its oh, own about God. how concerned we need to be well I, I mean you you kind of answered my question right there I I, I think the, I think the level of concern that I have is kind of minimal but th- all of the concern is going towards the goaltending. Yeah, right. I think that's the best way that I can put it like I, I know that this Leafs team is good and I know that they could score out of the, they can score in their sleep. They can score with their eyes closed on the ice. They can you can blindfold them and they'll and they'll each score three goals. Like they've got that op, they've got that ability. But at the same time, you know how how long are the Leafs going to be able to outscore their problems? And I know they've done it in the past, but like fuck, man, you can you can oh. Roman Yossi and fuck I don't know Jacob Slavin, someone like that. You're getting 800 goaltending every night. You're not winning any games. Right? No, I'm sorry, but you're not. Especially not so, in the playoffs. You're not outscoring yourself in the or your problems. Exactly. In the playoffs. We and we've seen how important. And I'll, actually, maybe maybe important is not the right word, but we've seen how crucial having a goalie that can just put the team on his back and steal games is. That's how the Montreal Canadiens got to the Cup final last year, right? Like. You know, the Leafs, I think, are a team where if they were to make it past the first round and make make a deep playoff run, almost all of it would be entirely attributed to their goal scoring. They're they're an offensive team. They're a skill-driven team. They're going to outskate their opponents. That's how they were built. But they need their goalie at the very least to be good. Mm-hmm. And right. I, I, I was going to say average there, but average won't cut it. They need to be good. Yeah, you need to you need to trust your goalie to make saves because we've seen this Leafs team. They have defensive lapses from time to time. As much as oh, they yeah. are good defensively and much better defensively than they have been in the past, they still have they still have these defensive lapses. Right? Yeah, we see it so, with the young guys too. I mean, last night was a good example of just not clearing guys from the net, not doing the wave mm-hmm. the stick thing on defense, not dealing with rebounds. I, like I'm not going to throw Jack under the bus for last night, but. Is a good example, like like you said, defensive deficiencies that have been persisting for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, Hobson. I'm going to jump no, in go here. For it. Just um, back to Lesko's question about level of concern. I wanted to mention that the reason why I don't have very much concern over the losses to bad teams is because I 
the Leafs have shown us this core of the team and, and their surrounding pieces, but the core is what's important as we know. What, yeah. they've, what they've shown us in the last few seasons here is that they do both of the following things. They will rise to the occasion and play a great hockey game against a great hockey team. And then the next day or two days later or three days later or whatever it is. On a Monday. They will fall down and play a very poor game against a very poor hockey team. They do both of those Mm -hmm. things. And I'm not Cleopatra, okay? I have no idea. Nostradamus, I don't know what to predict. But what I can predict is that all the teams in the playoffs are going to be good. We're not going to be playing Columbus in a play-in. Thank we're God. Not, we're not going to be playing oh, Montreal God. in oh. the first round of the yep. s- most stupid playoffs in history. We're going to be playing Tampa Bay. That's what I think. I mean, I guess it could be a myriad of, of opportunities. That's a or, good way to sleep at night. I like it. I mean, like, should I be afraid of Tampa? Of course. They're amazing. They won the last two cups. Uh, we should be afraid of them. We should be afraid of Carolina, Florida. You know, we should be afraid of everybody, really, at the end of the day. But my point yeah. is I'm not going in expecting the team to throw a 10-7 Detroit Red Wing fiasco out there or uh, uh, getting embarrassed by Montreal by multiple goals, just getting owned. Yeah. You know, I'm not worried about these things because I just feel like the team has proven to us that they can rise to occasions, and that's what they're going to have to do. And I think Absolutely. furthermore to our lack of – I'm not going to say lack of interest because we're all big fans. We're all very interested. But our lack of emotional trauma from losses is gone because of the simple fact that this all means jack until the puck drops – and you have a seven-game series against one team, yeah. which I also think works in in in, a, in the favor of a team like Toronto, where this is the team that we're playing for the next four, five, six, or seven games. You can prepare. You're not flying around, going you know different teams, different penalty kill, different power play. You're playing the same team. You can get ready for it. You can get fired up, and they have to win this year. They have to. It's over if they don't. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and you know what? Like, just kind of going back to your point there, because I feel like we've been combining a lot of a lot of the talking points here. They all kind of tie together. That seems to happen with the way the with the, the way the Leafs work. But um, you know, you look at the way that last season played out, and I will, you know, I, I never want to be the guy that's like, this is the year the Leafs are going all the way. But I will come full circle and full disclosure admit that last year I was fully invested. I thought that was the year the Leafs were winning the cup. I did a predictions video with one of my buddies and for the first time ever, I predicted the Leafs to win the Stanley cup. I was like, dude, <laughs> not just I was for like, funsies. For a no, not just thing. for funsies. For I was, I was serious. <laughs> I fucking predicted, I predicted the Leafs winning the cup for my NHL bracket, oh. my, my NHL.com playoff bracket. That's how you know it was serious. And, <laughs> They went in, and I figured, okay, like, you're playing Montreal in the first round, then you'd probably get Winnipeg in the second round or Edmonton, whatever. And then, you know, conference finals and finals from there, it's whatever. But I figured the Leafs have the easiest path to the playoffs they're ever going to get, and they still managed to find a way to fuck it up. So this year, I think my main – I think to to go back to what you are saying, Coleman, about how your level of concern is lower than it's ever been before because of that reason, like, if the Leafs – if the Leafs – fuck up and 
get eliminated in the first round again this year. I am not going to be left with that feeling of man, we've been we've been working so hard all season for this. We've been we've been fighting like that we just pissed away 82 games for nothing because like you said the level of emotion just isn't there in the regular season like it used to be. That's right. Yeah. It's it's really interesting situation that we find ourselves in especially going back to the goaltending. Uh where are you at Hobson? I mean, there's a lot of debate right now. I see a lot of people you know, let's get a goalie. We need a goalie. Part of me is on that team simply because this year's too important to squander because neither one of these guys can figure it out. But the other part of me is like, okay, we've seen flashes from Mirazik. We know what Jack can do. Are you all, are, is Kyle the people man, you know, the guy who believes in his guys? Is Kyle going there and be like, I know, I, I'm all in on these guys. Am I going? Or is Kyle like, how many more dances are we going to get? I got to go all in. And it's tough because I don't see an option out there on the market. Like nobody really comes to mind that's a, a necessarily a, a better option or something that we're going to be comfortable with. Well, everybody wants to talk about flurry. And, and what's it going to cost you? They're talking about a flurry costing a first rounder and a prospect. They face gave him away six months ago. <laughs> Give me a break on that. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> uh. Yeah, well, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head right there. And I'll tell you the way that I've been approaching this whole goaltending fiasco. First of all, I'm not getting my hopes up for the Leafs acquiring a goalie. That's I'm just going to get that right out of the way. Um, Kyle Dubas said, albeit this was two weeks ago, but he said that he trusted this goaltending tandem to figure it out. And Elliot Friedman also said in 32 Thoughts a couple weeks ago that he doesn't expect the Leafs to go for a goalie. I, I just don't see it happening. And, you know, you talk about a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, Imagine if they went out and they spent their not only their first round pick and a prospect on Marc Andre Fleury, who you know he's had success lately. But let's not forget that this guy was notorious for crumbling under playoff pressure for the longest time. So Forever. you know you're talking about the Leafs and how Jack Campbell's you know mental toughness might not be where the Leafs want it for a playoff goalie. So is the answer to that question to bring in a guy who was notorious for having that lack of mental toughness in the playoffs and spending a first and a prospect to get him, like? It seems a little off for me, but on top of that, even if you look past that, you've got, sure, you've got the assets to spend on them, but Marc-Andre Fleury makes, what, $7 million a year? So the only way the Leafs would be able to make that kind of cap room work is if they had Jake, uh, Jake Muzzin on the IR for the rest of the year, which no one knows if that's even happening yet. Um and yeah, he'll be it, it just it just seems like it just seems like there are way too many hurdles to jump over to make a trade for a goalie work. And then you gotta factor in, will they take Peter Morazic's contract for the rest of it? It's just I, I don't see it, I don't see it as a realistic option yeah. this year. Yeah, but I mean, you, bring, you bring it. You bring in a third party, though. Like Arizona just made their announcement today to the hockey world that they're open for business. They're selling off cap space, As is usual. like it's right. hot, like it's hotcakes. I mean, you bring in an Arizona, they eat half of it, and you trade yeah. Mrazek back the other way, and before you know it, the money works out perfectly, and you've got Flurry and Campbell going into the playoffs, and you lost your first round pick. Like it, yeah. and then, it's more even, doable than you're than you're making it out to be. It can happen, and at this point in time, is. I'm ready to entertain the conversation because, as I've mentioned to you in our group chat, I'm fucking concerned. Like I'm concerned, mm-hmm. and I I won't stand for anyone out there to tell me that I don't need yeah. to be concerned because what I'm seeing <laughs> is fucking concerning. Yeah. I'm it's big time too. concerning, man. Like I'm definitely right. worried. I'm concerned, and and what makes it worse is that. I'd be concerned if Jack was playing the way he's playing and Mrazek was playing fine. But 
the problem is both of them are playing awful. Or like one game good, one game bad. Two games bad, one game good. It's more bad than good lately. You look at their numbers since mm-hmm. I think it's since January first. They're one of the worst tandems in the NHL. And dude, I can I can put up with the argument that that's te- scary. Team defense matters, and well, look at the team that's does. playing in front of them. And I get all that, but but it you're does, dead it, in the playoffs. It, it it does not excuse bad fucking goals, yeah, and bad exactly. fucking goals are happening every night. Two or three of them mm-hmm. every night. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's that's that's basically what it's come to at this point. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but over the past three weeks, I haven't watched a single Leafs game where I've haven't been shitting myself watching the offense, <laughs> the other team's offense come into the zone. Yeah, because I yeah. know that a little floater from the point can just can very well make it past one of those goalies. But just recently, um, we got rid of that feeling. We were super confident, no matter where the puck well, was, was. Jack so, would stop yeah, it. I was so confident, in Jack, and and everything. And I'm not, I'm not questioning. Uh, like I'm not in a headspace where I'm like. Oh, was did we overestimate him? I don't think he's as good as say the first four months of the season would tell you statistically. His no, numbers but, were inhuman, right? But he's not yeah, as bad as it, recently either. Correct. But it would be a different conversation if Jack, if if the, if the issue was oh Jack regressed to the medium, right? But he hasn't. He's regressed to like way fucking beyond that. Like he's mm-hmm. been one of the worst goalies in the league in the calendar year. Mm-hmm. So that's where the concern comes in, right? Um. I don't know. I guess like it, it is more doable. Like you say, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with that Coleman. It is, it is doable to acquire a goalie. Arizona could be the broker, but I don't think it's likely either. I'm with you there. That's exactly. That's what yeah. I'm getting at. No, I don't with think you. it's yeah. likely. So what I'm preparing for is a deadline where the Leafs stick to their gut. Kyle Dubas puts his job on the line essentially and trust Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic. And here's where I'm at with those two. I think in the short term. So when I say short term, I mean right now. Um, I think Peter Morazic is more likely to give the Leafs a chance to win than Jack Campbell. I've seen better things from Morazic than I have from Jack Campbell in the past month. I think Jack Campbell's had way more of those games where he's led in four or five. Where, whereas, and I can't believe the bars here, but Morazic's had a couple of games when he's let in, you know, two on twenty or like three on thirty or something like that. And it's like it's not great, but it's good enough to get by. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of that from Jack lately. Yeah. So short term, I think. If the Leafs are looking to win games individually, Mrazic's probably gives them a better chance to win. However, if the Leafs are going to bank on either one of their goalies to be that guy that they can trust in the playoffs, all their hopes go on to Jack Campbell, man. I mean, you you look at this season and you look at last season, Jack Campbell has proven that he can play at an elite level. Mrazic has not. Last year's playoffs too. Exactly, yeah. Jack Campbell's only bad goal in last year's playoffs was that first goal in Game 7. And, you know, I'm not obviously bad goal to let in, but at the same time, that that Game 7 may have been the worst Leaf game I have ever watched. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, dude. I... Worse than game six? Dude, no, no, no. Worse than game six because game seven was – They came back in game six at least. Dude, I had that tiny shred (laughs) of hope in game seven where the Leafs were going to – you know, come out and play the best game they've ever played and just put the jokes to rest for good. And they did the exact opposite. opposite. I went outside and I smoked like seven cigarettes after that <laughs> game. And I don't even smoke. Like <laughs> I took up smoking because that game. Uh, I watched, yeah, I watched, more or less. I watched that game in a prone position with uh, <laughs> zero emotion running through my body. At all. Mm -hmm. First time in my life. I've watched preseason games. We were all stop, stop, they're already dead in that. Stop, they're already dead. Yeah, (laughs) it's so true. That's that's a good point there on the goaltending, Hobson, in that, I mean, Jack has kind of shown us that he's better than that. 
Right now, I think Mrazek is the answer, not only because he's playing better, but because Mrazek was supposed to take the workload off early in the season, and he did Anyways. Because yeah. yeah. he was injured. Mm-hmm. So it's time for him to pick up some slack, make up for lost time, give him a bit more space in between starts. Um, you know, you want to keep Jack fresh, obviously, but I think that seems to be what Sheldon's been doing as of late. Yeah, and just to, just to kind of add to my point there a little bit, um, I, I think the the thing with Campbell is that, like, like I said, you you trust him more than Peter Morazic to find his game. And you know, you said it before Lesko, like he doesn't have to come back and be this, this guy who's fuck. What did he finish in November with? It was like a nine fifty six save percentage or something yeah, like that. Like, he doesn't have, he doesn't have to be that good, mm-hmm. but you need him to come in and not let in every single shot he faces. That's <laughs> yeah. what that, like the bar, the bar is on the floor right He's now. Had some and days. I will say, I will say that I have been the biggest Campbell, well, not, not not even just Campbell. Like I've been the biggest goaltender critic this year because you can tell when the goalie's getting the shit end of the stick, and you can tell when he's not. He's just playing terribly, and the Leafs have had their their goaltenders have been playing terribly for the better part of 2022. Mm-hmm. So, I think that. Having said that, what I was going to go to from there is that game against Seattle. I actually don't think that was a bad game by Campbell by any means. I actually think that, you know, he did let in four goals, but he's we heard the soup chance come back. That was the main thing for me. He made a couple of big saves that warranted some soup chance. And yeah, four goals on 30 shots or whatever it was. The numbers don't look good on paper, but my hope is that that game last night can sort of serve as a stepping stone for Jack Campbell getting his game back. And, you know, again, wasn't the greatest performance. I, 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 but at the same time, I'm only like previous games. I'm probably, I'm probably blaming Campbell for every single goal he allowed. Like that game against Detroit, those first three goals in the third period, I was like, he could have, he should have stopped every single one of those. That was was like, dude, bro, that shot from like the goal line when it somehow snuck under his arm. Yeah. From Joe Valeno. Oh my God. I I had to leave the room. I was I, like, <laughs> I had I to leave the room. So but, let me ask you about the Seattle then, because I think you make a good point, right? They got the four goals on the 30 or whatever it is. That you're right. The numbers don't look good. I, I did have one one goal to kind of use as a kick point for the reason why I'm concerned. And I don't think this should surprise anyone. I know, I know anyone. the goal you're talking about. I, don't think, I know the exact goal. <laughs> I don't think that this should surprise anyone. But my the main reason for my concerns is that it's not like I feel like he forgot how to play goalie or it's a technical problem or he's resting on his feet. I'm not a goalie coach, okay? But what I saw on the first goal that he allowed against Seattle was a non-confident looking goaltender. Yep. Mm-hmm. He got into the position that was that was required and then instantly shrank. He shrank his body. Like honey, I shrunk the fucking goaltender. He got over, he was in perfect position, and then he shrunk himself. His shoulders came in. His back arched down. He made himself tiny. Trying to catch with his body. He made himself tiny, and the shot went into the the perfect part of the net. It's a great shot. It's not like it's the worst goal he's ever let in, but what I saw was a 
goaltender that lacks confidence because a confident Jack Campbell not only slides into the correct position, but he gets aggressive and he makes mm-hmm. himself big and he looks like big Jack Campbell. He's not the biggest guy ever. All goaltenders are pretty big. They're a lot bigger than you and me. But he's not Vasilevsky. He's not this huge, tall monster. He does have to be yeah. a little bit more aggressive to cut down those angles and take away the upper portion of the net. Yeah. And if he comes out and he's aggressive and he's big and he still gets beat, that's just an otherworldly type of shot and there's nothing you can do about it. But right. that's not what I it saw. It was the way he let it in. It's He let it in because he shrunk himself and I can't I, I, I can't explain how concerning that is to me, and I don't know how he flips a switch because he's a bit of a mental case. We saw that from day one, with, and we all fell in love with it because he was doing so well, and it was Jack Campbell, the nicest guy on the history of the earth. He's tapping everybody on the pads after every save. He's just the nicest guy ever, great interview. But guess what, bud? Now it ain't going so well. So how are we going to get the fuck out of this? How do we get out of this? I, I it's listen to me. Like yeah. I'm clearly concerned. It's a weird thing mm-hmm. with with Campbell too, is because he's so nice and he's so positive. But like a lot of goalies too, and I I knew guys like this. I play with guys like this. They are incredibly hard on themselves, like so hard. And he seems to be that guy who is first one in line to pump your tires. But last one in line to pump his own. Right. And that is the one thing about Jack Campbell that worries me. And, like, here we are trying to read into a man's mental health, really, at the end of the day. Impossible. But that is the one, I guess, quirk, goalie quirk about him that concerns me. And, you know, his play has... has, has now that it's not going well, like you're saying, Coleman, it's like, how does he, how does he overcome? Respond. And I want to see him overcome. We all do, obviously. We all love the guy. So that is, that's where the concern lies. Is, is he's going through the first adversity as a starting goalie in yeah. the NHL at age 29 or whatever. It's, it's, it's got to be incredibly difficult for him, but you got to think that, uh, you know, it's nice to hear that, like you said, point out that the fans were supporting him last night. Yeah. You got to think the guys in the room have his back too. Oh man, fucking Morgan Riley went to the press the other day and told them that when when Jack Campbell starts, he gives the Leafs a chance to win, which like in the past 2 months he could not have been more wrong in saying. Yeah. <laughs> but Jack true. needs but, to hear but, that, but right? But it's the fact that but it's the fact that these guys are still going to war for him and pretty much lying to the media just so j- just so Campbell's mental state doesn't plummet any further than it already is, right? Right. So I don't know. Like I, I agree with I agree with the concerns, Coleman. I actually I know the exact goal you're talking about, and I thought the same thing. I even thought that he made a couple of saves last night that he didn't look confident on. Mm. But at the same time, you know, if the Leafs are in this position where they need to entirely bank on Campbell getting his confidence back, I think last night was a good step because yes, he did let in one goal that he where he looked he didn't look confident at all. But that's better than the past three games where he let in five goals where he didn't look confident at all. Right. Yeah. So it's not something that you want to you want to bank on Campbell doing for the rest of the year. You don't want him going out there and, you know, playing like a head case for the entire game and in hope that he in hope that he makes most of the saves. But if the Leafs are going to bank on him getting his confidence back, I think last night was a good first step. Um I think the biggest thing for me is going to see how he responds in his next start. And I don't know if he's I don't know if he's going to be starting against the Coyotes t- tomorrow or 
Um, if they're going to save him for the Heritage Classic, I don't know what the Leafs' plan is to start him. But I, either way, they're going to be facing a bad team once again. So, <laughs> brace for a loss. Um, <laughs> well, brace for. I'm going to start a, betting against them on those nights. Brace like. for a nine point uh, effort from Nick Schmaltz. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Nick Schmaltz is what the fuck? What the hell's been up with that guy lately? I don't know. It's been man. insane. He's the only player but, yeah. that got left. <laughs> point. Yeah. Point that I'm trying to make though is like, I I, I think on top of that. These next couple of games, and I guess just the rest of the season in general, I think is really going to tell us what Jack Campbell is. Mm. Because, you know, we've seen so many goalies that have come out and, you know, they've, they've come out guns blazing. They they have a great start to their career, and then they fizzle out. Fuck, look at Andrew Hammond. Right. Where did that, like, I know like, I know he's with Montreal now, but where the hell did that guy go after, yeah. his, after his little hamburger? No, it's a, good, it's a good example, he for sure. He made bank mm-hmm. on McDonald's endorsements, boys. Yeah. Oh, man. Remember Curtis Lazar picking <laughs> yes. that double up off I'll, the ice I'll and eating it? I'll never forget that. Course. That was the greatest. I love that. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think these next – the end of the season, I think, is really going to tell us what the Leafs have in Jack Campbell. And – I'm gonna be honest. Like I, I, I've seen the, I've seen the confidence he can play with when he's doing well. I've seen the way he's been able to play when he's at the top of his game. The, the whole team's got his back. I think as long as the Leafs kind of pull their weight a little bit defensively, and I'm not, again, I'm not excusing any of the shitty goals the Leafs goalies have allowed because you're right. It doesn't matter how good of defense you play if you don't make, if you don't get a save, then you're not winning any hockey games. But if the Leafs can do everything they can to not laps defensively in front of Campbell and allow these odd man rushes and put him in positions where he could allow these goals. I think that's going to be a good first step to kind of getting his confidence back. And I really, I really truly hope for not, not only the team's sake, but for his sake as well, that he can get it back because like he said, you know, he's the nicest guy in the league. He hates seeing him in a position like this, but at the same time, the least need to win games and they need a goalie. They can trust to win games. And Campbell hasn't been that for the past two months. So I think all they can really do now is hope that, he finds it over these next couple of games and you know bars on the floor. Like I said, last night wasn't that great of a start, but I think it's certainly been better and more encouraging than they have been in the past. Yeah, so. I would agree with that. Um, and just lastly, before we move on from the, <clears throat> the goaltending situation, something that I honestly just thought about earlier during our conversation, while one of you lads were, were chatting there, I just kind of thought of something that's a little bit of a bigger picture, uh, concern if this does continue to go on for you know more than a, a handful of games okay like if this goes on for another week or two weeks my concern becomes like and I understand that this is very glass empty glass half empty which is very unlike me Hobson as you know uh, right. <clears throat> I'm generally a glass half full type guy but my concern right now you just pointed out just as you were finishing talking there just a moment ago you said the Leafs need to win games Okay. Yeah. And as as we sit right now on March nine, given what has transpired over the last, I mean, I think we can say months here. How are they winning games right now? The answer to that question, it's rhetorical, is they've been outscoring their problems. Well, yep. guess guess you know what I mean. You can't you can't win those games in the playoffs. <laughs> Pittsburgh and and Tristan Jari exhibit A. You know what I mean? You can score some goals, but you're never going to you can't outrun your fork as they say for people trying to diet. You know what I mean? You get you have to you have to stop you have to stop the bleeding somewhere and my my big picture concern is if this continues on, the identity of the team is slowly changing. And because we were working so well on reducing slot chances, reducing rush chances, and now all of a sudden, when we're not getting any saves, 
we have to dial it up on the offense. Okay, well, we're going to give up three goals tonight, so we better score four or five. Whereas we were good with two or three, maybe four. Now we're fucking four, five, six, or ten to win a game. And that changes the identity of the team and, and what maybe Sheldon Keefe and the assistant coaches have been working on for so long to get the team more dialed in defensively and giving up less yeah. chances. Now we're giving up more chances because we have to play a more up-pace, uh, offensive tempo style of game, and I don't want that becoming a habit for the team. Yeah. Yeah. And it's well, been awkward too with I think with Muzzin being out, throws such a wrench in the D Corps. That's it, true. They seem to be mm-hmm. still shuffling dudes around. Like they had Hall and Brody together. They had to save Hall somehow, I guess. And so I guess props to Sheldon for trying everything under the sun to to finally, you know, clamp down that team defense a bit. Yeah. And that is a valid concern to have, Coleman. You actually just got me thinking about that in a way that I I, I wasn't really thinking about it before. See, um, I've never really <laughs> I've never really considered that Campbell allowing these goals could shape the team's identity. Identity, sorry, but I don't know, man. Honestly, the only thing I have to say to that is <laughs> Dubas committed to this, and yeah. you know, I I, I think that. I personally, I was really happy with the way the Leafs approached their goalies this year. We we saw the way that Fred's tenure in Toronto was kind of ending. I I I still firmly believe that if he stayed in Toronto, he would not be having the success that he's having this year with Carolina. Ooh. Um, and that sounds like a hot take there, Hobson. Well, it, it's a hot take, but it's it's you're just throwing, one of those you're things. You're throwing shade on Freddie the goalie. Or are you are you blaming that on the Maple Leafs? I think it's more blaming it on the Maple Leafs. It, it's it's on the Maple Leafs. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. Well, it, it it's a little bit of both. Though, I was say, no I one look at his stats right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I no. I, I I I think that with Toronto, you know, he he reached a point where he needed a fresh start. I think that's really all I'm trying to get at. He right. needed a fresh start. Carolina's a team that's built around a stable, strong defensive core. So, I mean, you know, they they've been able to. He, they've been able to bring back a version of Freddie that you know they they've wanted this entire the Leafs wanted this entire time. Yeah, but let's not so, kid anyways. ourselves. Freddie was good in the regular season for us all the time. Well, oh, I'd yeah. say you took about like he's Freddie we saw two years ago. He was slow. He, he was a notoriously he a, slow he starter. Had a tough couple yeah. seasons or season and a half or whatever that was that we went yeah. through the last couple of years. COVID. Yeah, the the, the key fair the key fair of Freddie basically was questionable. Mm-hmm. You, you can put it that way. Sure. Yeah, that's um, that's a good frame of reference. But. Um, anyways, not to, we just completely went on a, off on a tangent on Freddie, but either way, what I was going to say is that like, I signing a guy like Peter Mrazek, I saw that I, I like, if you look at his stats from last year, Mrazek had Vezina numbers, albeit over like a 12 game sample size. And he's proven in the past that he can get hot and he can be a really good one B. So I liked the signing at the time. Me too. And I thought, I thought, you know, it maybe it wasn't smart to commit, commit Jack Campbell to that one a role. But at the same time, you know, he, he he gave the fans a glimmer of hope with the way that he sort of stole the crease from Freddie there. He went on a tear at the end of the season. And I think the way that the Leafs intended to sign those guys, like, you, you want to have them as a tandem, right? And I think, ideally, the Leafs would have had two guys that can come in and get the job done. And unfortunately, right now, it's looking like neither of those guys can get the job done. Well, and the hope so, is what one of them would when the other couldn't. And we're exactly. in that situation where neither was working and you know jack had earned that number one spot i think and and oh yeah some people weren't ready to give it to him at the beginning of the year i was and he earned he earned it and now we're Mm -hmm. just 
you know, it's like everything we thought we knew or everything we thought we're comfortable with has been upset all of a sudden. But uh, yeah. it's and a weird the... one, like, to be that concerned about goaltending because I was willing to give even Freddie the benefit of the doubt the last couple of years despite mm-hmm. his shortcomings. Yeah, and, like, it, it's just one of those, you don't really want to admit it because you don't want to, like you said, Coleman, you don't want to be the glass half-empty guy, but that sadly is the reality, you know. Yeah. Unless the Leafs lose for two street weeks in a row – and Kyle Dubas all of a sudden has a has a coming of age moment, and he realizes, "Holy fuck! Like we, my job's on the line right now. I gotta stop sticking to my gut. Like let's just try and put this fire out." I don't think I still don't think the Leafs are gonna trade for a goalie. And if the Leafs end up fumbling, and I, uh, obviously I won't say miss the playoffs, but if they if they fumble in the playoffs again, and it's because of bad goaltending, I mean, fuck, like. They committed to it and they made the wrong commitment. There's not much else you can say about it. So to that, Coleman, I hope that I hope that you're wrong is all I'm going to say. And I'm sure you hope you're wrong, too. Um, but yeah, overall, very interested to see how these next three, these next couple of weeks go ahead of the deadline. Well, because who knows? Maybe adding maybe adding a guy at the deadline, adding a big name like a Giordano or like a or somebody at the deadline. Maybe maybe in addition to the defense, of course, sort of helps Campbell's confidence a little bit, if anything. I don't know. And let's pump the brakes here. I didn't say that. That's gonna happen. I said I'm worried. Okay, I know, I yeah. know. Because if they, but you're right, Hobson. If they, if they blow it this year in the first round, like if they lose in the first round, I won't be surprised because it'll be against a a good team, an arguably superior opponent like Tampa. But if they lose mm-hmm. because neither one of those guys can stop a puck, then Dubas has to wear that big time. That's because exactly this it. is all him, yeah. right? This yeah. is all his decision making. Said I'll take these two guys over Fred and Michael Hutchison basically is what he chose. It's exactly. And you know what the tough part about it is that a lot Dubas has had he's had a lot of bad luck with moves like this in the past. And you know, there are people there are people out there who will call me a Dubas apologist and stuff like that. And it's a, it's not even that, but like there haven't been too many of Dubas's moves where right from the get-go he made it and I was like, that is a bad move and it's going to burn them and then it ends up burning them. A lot of the bad moves he's made look good in hindsight. Perfect example is the Felino trade last right, year. Right. But you look back at that Nick Felino trade, they traded a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick for a guy who showed up, played great for four games, and then his body just fell apart. Yeah. That's that's essentially what happened. Added nothing in the playoffs except for that one fight with Corey Perry after John Tavares got injured. Like, it was a great story, but the way that I look at it now, and people are calling that one of Dubas's worst trades of his tenure as Leafs GM, which I agree with, but I mean, look at the best case scenario in that situation. We saw Nick Felino absolutely fucking manhandled the Leafs in the bubble the year before. Oh, yeah. And he was the exact type of player the Leafs could have used yeah. in the playoffs. Like, if you asked me at we the loved time... It. He, he, Exactly. Loved People it. love to compare Nick Foligno to Taylor Hall because those were two of the big forward names that got moved at the deadline. If you asked me following that Columbus series, if I think Nick Foligno would have helped the Leafs win the win that round or Taylor Hall more, I would have said Foligno seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Absolutely. Of course. And, you know, you look at you look at the way Tampa traded a first-round pick for Blake Coleman. They traded a first-round pick for Barclay Goudreau. Like, I'm sorry, but that's the way the market is at the time. Guys like Foligno are going for first-round picks. Yeah. And... You know, best case scenario, the Leafs add a guy who's a grizzled vet, who's a great locker room presence. He can play defense. He can play all three forward positions and score every now and then. And he's gritty. And, you know, hindsight, if the Leafs, if Matthews and Marner don't decide to take the entire series off and <laughs> and Felino shows up, becomes a valuable middle six addition for them, and the Leafs end up winning a cup over it, people are calling Kyle Dubas a genius for pulling off. Yeah, Absolutely. of course. And in to point to those Tampa trades, like you look at those prices still, you're like, holy shit, 
That's a lot. And those uh-huh. guys all walked too. But they won the cup, so no one gives a shit. No they one did. cares. It's, yeah. That's exactly, it's amazing exactly what I said. It's an amazing mm-hmm. thing. So hopefully and, and, we're in the position of not giving a shit about anything Kyle Dubas has done come the summer because mm-hmm. we're in a better place. Yeah, and that is – and I will I will just clarify too – that's the that this is this this is the point that I'm trying to make about his decision to roll with Campbell and Mrazek as the tandem. Like not looking great right now. And if like he's like you said, let's go if the Leafs flop in the playoffs and it's because Campbell and Mrazek can't make a save, Dubas has to wear it. I yeah. fully agree. But and that's way tougher than owning the Felino trade. The Felino trade's oh, a, yeah. a little bit of a oopsie, didn't get our first rounder. This is no, we banked our playoff success on this tandem and it failed yep. miserably. Mm-hmm. But even then, like you look at what Campbell did in the playoffs last year, and you look at what Mrazek, he sure he doesn't have a great track record as a starting elite goalie, but he's had, he's shown success being a tandem guy. Mm-hmm. And you've got Campbell. Imagine if Campbell plays the way that he played it in the first two months of the season, all season long, right. and him and Mrazek form a great tandem and they make a deep playoff run. Then you're looking at that and saying that was a great decision. But uh, of, uh, of course, I don't know if anyone could have predicted both goalies completely shitting the bed so that's going to be an interesting storyline to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks all right man well listen i got one more for you uh before we got to wrap up i got to wrap up i got a lumber king game that i got to call here in an hour so uh i'm off doing double duties my 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 voice is gonna i think sunday is just gonna have to be a total relaxing day no vocals of any kind (laughs) well easy now i'm not an animal uh so edibles only so let me ask you, edibles only. So let me ask you, uh, Hobson, who is the best player in the NHL? Austin Matthews, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're three you know we're three biased idiots on a Leaf centric podcast right now, but I just don't really know if it's even debatable. Right now, Here's, today. Yeah, I, I saw someone put it this way, and it's the best way that I can. It's the best way that I can describe it to myself too. Connor McDavid is the most talented player in the NHL. Austin Matthews is the best. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> that's ex- <laughs> almost, almost verbatim what I said to Lesko earlier in the show mm-hmm. before that we is, brought you on. And that's a hard one to argue with. And you know, I was trying to break it down in my head because this has been a pretty common topic of conversation around the NHL the last few weeks, but. If you look at, like, McDavid's a faster skater, bar none, right? Of course. But I think Matthews is better with the puck. Ooh, oh, yeah. I don't know. Man. Well, the only reason, the, I don't know, the thing, that, that's a tough discussion to be, to be had there because Matthews, I would say, is better with the puck because he doesn't have the speed that Connor McDavid does. Right. So Connor McDavid, you know, he picks up the puck. He can go end to end in the, more in like the what snap McDavid of a finger. can do at speed. As yeah. A, right. And, and I'm just more on Matthews' hands just because the shit I've seen him do. And that might be just my own bias of watching Austin Matthews way more. And like just seeing the stuff that he does. Yeah. It's shit I've never seen. No, but anyone. you know what? You're... You kind of changed my mind on the fly right now because you said, oh, he's better with the puck. And I went, oh, buddy. Because, you know, you think of yeah. McDavid and the stick handling stuff. But then Hobson said, yeah, you know, he picks it up and he skates up. He just, Sometimes he just needs to push it, push it to the right side and just skate past the guy or one little head fake and he's inside. Whereas, yes, you're right. With Matthews, he's not as fast. But because of that, 
by virtue of that, he needs to be a little bit better at a couple of things: stick handling and tight. Uh, also, puck using re- his body. Also, puck retention. Yeah, uh, his yep. puck retention is off the charts. I mean, it's the first game of his NHL career. The way he dangled around Mike Hoffman at center ice, put it between his legs, uh, not moving at all, and then he didn't know where to go, so he flipped it over to uh, Eric Carlson, one of the greater defenders in that or a defenseman, I should say, at that point in time. Flipped it over to Eric Carlson, just went over and took it right back. Took it, took it right back mm-hmm. from him. So, like, his puck retention is definitely, I would have to say, uh, above and beyond the likes of a Connor McDavid, who is much better, uh, like you said, Lesko, with the puck at speed. Here's what here's what I'll say to close this off about Matthews. Again, I'm going to age myself here because I, I, I never – I, I was never able to watch Dougie Gilmore in his prime or Matt Sundin, you know, in his in, in his mid to late twenties with the Leafs. Actually, he wasn't even was he even at the Leafs in his mid twenties, or was that he more was his late twenties? Thirties, thirties. Yeah, yeah. late twenties. Still yeah. killing it. So I re- so yeah. I really just aged myself there. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, point is, I started watching the Leafs when fucking Andrew Raycroft was their starting goalie. Oh, so it's like I I didn't I haven't really been able to witness any greatness of any kind. You poor unfortunate so, soul. What? What I'll tell you right now is that Austin Matthews is the by far the best Leafs player I have ever been able to win this watch. And I'm sure you guys are probably agreeing too at this point. I would but agree I'm just with saying that. that from my, I'm just saying from my perspective because I didn't, I didn't get to watch the guys that could contend with him. But in all my time watching the Leafs, there has never been a guy who I can trust to put the game on his back and completely change the complexion of a game mm-hmm. just, by, just by showing up. Yeah. Like... It's ridiculous. Like I, it, he, this guy will show up and score two goals out of nowhere, and it, and all of a sudden it's an entirely different hockey game. It's just his ability to dominate when he's on is nothing like anybody else I've ever seen before. So, at the very least, I think it's an absolute privilege to be able to to be able to exist at the same time as Austin Matthews. I agree honestly. with that. And and further to that point, the next question I had would be, can can I any any three of us really recall the last time? Austin Matthews didn't have a good hockey game. See, I want to say I want to say the playoffs against Montreal, but at the same time, I I think he was solid defensively in that series, mm-hmm. and he still had five points in seven games. He wasn't he wasn't doing what I just said in the sense that he was you know he wasn't taking showing over up games and, and stuff, taking yeah. over games exactly. Yeah, but you know I, I I do think that I wouldn't say he really had any bad games per se except for you know what here we'll say game seven against Montreal because that was bad that was a bad game for everybody no, sure but I player. mean that was last year right yeah. so living in yeah. the living in the here and the now what mm-hmm. I'm getting at here is the development of this player from top to bottom from brain to body to working out in the gym and learning new tricks on the ice in practice like the development of this player I mean the trajectory is even steeper than your career Hobson Mm -hmm. it's just unbelievable the guy like he has I don't think he's peaked yet and we're well, seeing, that's we're the craziest seeing part. crazy thing. We're too. seeing that now, and it's so exciting because of what you just said earlier, Hobson. He is. I agree with you. You finally get be- to pot fifty. The best leaf that I've seen play. I'll give Matt's the edge on one criteria. We saw Matt's do great things, like clutch shit, like overtime winners in the playoffs, like putting the team on his back. But give Matthews some time. Yeah, give him some time, but that's the only edge I'll give Matt's to. And to circle back on the uh, McDavid-Matthews thing, the other reason is for what you guys just pointed out is the, the Matthews is – 
the complete package right now. And the numbers nerds will show you this too. The if you look at the, the defensive aspects yeah. of Matthews versus anybody, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, uh, McDavid, he absolutely blows them out of the water in that aspect of the game. Couldn't agree more. And I also want to give a shout out to the guy on Twitter I saw earlier today who responded to a tweet asking if Matthews is the greatest Leaf of all time. And he said, until he wins a cup, it's Sundin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. That's right. I forgot about all the cups that Sundin won in Toronto. <laughs> I must have missed those. Yeah, so he at least needs to make a conference <laughs> final and lose to Buffalo. And, we're, we're, and then we'll be fine. We're right on par. <laughs> and until... And until he does that, he is not even in the same breath as Matt. Or you have to single-handedly <laughs> bury the Sens in the playoffs three times. Three times. In a yeah. row. In a row. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, he, he single-handedly buried the Sens in his his debut, so that's a good start, I guess. Yeah, that's true. The, but yeah. Actually, he didn't because we lost. True. Yeah, that's, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, that's a moot point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, he was the only one to show up, so. Jeez, man, it's it's so leafy, though. You know what I mean? Like Matthews breaks mm -hmm. into the NHL, scores four goals. We're supposed to have the time of our lives. No, they lose the game. Um, <laughs> Still the have Leafs, fun, though. The Leafs score ten fucking goals against the Red Wings. That sounds like a party. No, we almost blew it seventeen different times. It like, was seven two at one point. The, the, I felt so bad for Jack in that third. I, I too. saw I saw oh. the I saw the tweet, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. It was like only the Toronto Maple Leafs could score 10 goals in a hockey game and still piss off their fans. My mom was asking me <laughs> after the Detroit game where that shit happened, where I think it was a Campbell, three bad ones, throw him Razik, first shot goes in. My mom texts me and says, where's that guy? Was it Garrett Sparks or whatever? Yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus. Oh, no. I was like, honestly, mom, that's a good callback because I haven't seen it. Like, I probably hadn't seen goaltending that bad since... Garrett Sparks. Yeah. She's mm -hmm. like, well, was he? He got a shout in his first game or something? I'm like, yeah, and that was it. The shart years. <laughs> the sharts. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, listen, man, Hobson, thanks so much for uh, for joining us, buddy. Really appreciate it, man. Always a great chat, and for sure, we'll, uh, we're really excited to have you back on in two and a half more years. I was just going to say, yeah, hopefully my next appearance here is a little sooner than two and a half years from now. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, boys. It's always a great time getting to chat with you guys. Uh, always a fun chat with the Puck Pod boys. So uh, definitely looking forward to getting the next call, and, uh, you know, I'll be here. For right sure. On. and well, I have to be sooner for sure, buddy. Yeah, and thanks for the, right thanks for the leak uh, on your article. I'm going to hang up and post this immediately and call it first, oh, you know. We're I'm gonna first. have to deactivate my. I'm gonna have to deactivate my account, Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> right on, buddy. All right, man. Well, listen. Enjoy. Uh, I guess we're we're off. Uh, when are do we play tomorrow? At least play tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah tomorrow, Vancouver, right? Zona at home. Vancouver's? Oh nope, yeah, Zona. Arizona. That's right. All right, man. Well, enjoy the games, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the article that you're gonna pump out uh, relatively soon. So keep doing what you're doing, man. You're you're killing it out there, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. And just to leave you with this before I leave, five former Leafs are currently playing for the Coyotes. Can you guys name them? Oh, trivia, your favorite. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's fill go, the thrill. Let's go. We'll do this for okay, sure. Fill the thrill. Oh, man. Yeah. Arizona, like, I know who's on that team. Me neither. Okay. Uh, holy shit. <laughs> we're so you got Phil. We're, ca one. we're capped at Phil. Phil. Who else <laughs> plays? I don't even know who else plays on that team. Who else would play? You guys there? are going to be so pissed when I tell you one of them. Uh, oh, is it Galchenyuk? Oh, oh yeah, that, that yes. that's one, but that's not the one I was thinking of. Okay, Galchenyuk. Dolph, yeah. I see him typing. No, no, there. I just <laughs> typed. I didn't type. I did not type for Galchenyuk. <laughs> I got Gal Galchenyuk, okay? So I'm giving myself credit for that, but I'm clicking on it now. You aren't allowed to look because Lesko is the trivia guy. 
So he's not allowed to look. I'm looking because I'm an idiot and I need it. Oh, this is oh my terrible. god! I think I know the one that you're talking about. And how the fuck did we not know this guy? It just, <laughs> it, it, it just happened. Which oh, just, Dick Ritchie. Of course. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking. Okay. Was Big three. Dick Nick. Man, just even when you mentioned Richie earlier, Hobson, I was like, oh yeah, Nick Ritchie. Like, like he completely <laughs> gone. Like I erased him from the memory. Oh, there's a D man. <laughs> oh, okay. D-man, Swedish. Okay. Swedish D man. Oh, um. Not, Wait, not Gunners and Strawman. Yes, sir. Oh, jeez, boys. They're okay. So it turns out there's six former Leafs then. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. So I wasn't four? even thinking of Strawman. I didn't even have him on my list. I thought he was retired. Anton but... Strawman, Swedish defense. Okay, so, that's, so that's that's four then. Okay, two left. And then here's another uh, one. Lesko that was a brief experiment uh, following the Columbus series. He is from Alberta, Canada. He has two first names. No, he doesn't. He has a last name in common. See, these are the guys like Nick Rich. I just block out of my mind like they don't exist. He has a last name in common with someone who just had his jersey retired. One of my favorite players of all time. Who had his jersey retired? In in Columbus? In Coleman. It's it's funny because the other guy that you're not talking about does, in fact, have two first names. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. There he is. (laughs) Oh, God. You guys got to tell me. I can't. Okay, I can't. fine. You got, so, you got me. So the, the guy that just had his jersey retired in Columbus, I told you. I Like, come on. Are you not aware Rick of? Nash? Uh, yes. Okay. So Rick, not Rick Nash, but Riley. Oh, he played for the Leafs. Well, oh, right. The Felino trade. The Felino trade. Yes, okay. Of course. And then uh, Hobson's final. I was going to say Tyson Nash. Hobson's <laughs> final uh, one, which is hilarious, Hobson, because he does have two first names, is Travis Boyd. Oh, Travis. <laughs> I knew it was some guy like Joey Anderson or Travis Boyd or one of those guys who play like three friggin' games. Yeah. Man. Coleman, well, we're bringing back we're bringing back just leaf things for tomorrow night's game. I'm sorry. Six former Leafs. Come on. Okay. <laughs> All right, fine. I can I can deal uh, with it. I can deal yeah. with it. I don't think you're going to have a choice. I think you're, you're not going to have a to choice. Deal with it. I'm going online. Another. I'm putting prop bets on every single one of those guys. Yeah. Oh, fuck, You'll, boys. Fuck, man. You you can put down fucking two bucks and you'll probably make a million dollars. There you go. Good segment. Right. Good okay. trivia, yeah, bro. Yeah, I had to end. Once you mentioned Arizona, I, I remembered I was talking to my buddies about that. I was like, yes, I got I got to bring this up before I go. Great trivia. Great trivia. It's going to make me late for the Lumber King game, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> good. I'm okay with it. <laughs> That's a good excuse. You were trying to remember current Leaf players that play for the Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, boys. Stuff that keeps us and up. Depending and on, right. depending on how well the guy knows you, Coleman, he'd probably be like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. It's true. All right, man. Well, listen, right. thanks for that. That was a great yep. uh, great way to end it, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, yeah. man. Yeah, of course. Take it easy, boys. All right. Thanks, Hobson. All right. Well, there he goes. Alex Hobson, writer for THW. You follow him on Twitter, A Hobson Media. Great chat, Lesko. I mean, geez, the guy, obviously, like you said, you know, he's doing pods, he's doing articles, he's. Up and comer. Yeah. Up and comer. Absolutely. That, that kid. Love to have him. Love to have him back on the show. Definitely got to have him back a lot sooner. Um, I know we were uh, talking about it a lot, just hadn't kind of put everything together. So. Good to catch up with him. I'm sure we'll try and catch up with him soon. Well, he must have enjoyed it. I mean, he's, he already messaged me. He said, fuck, that was so much fun, man. You guys are my favorite pod to hop on oh, and chat geez. with. Oh, jeez. Like, now, just like, 
make sure you post that on all your socials and <laughs> tell your friends <laughs> about it. No, that was great. And, um, yeah, so I guess you got to run. So we'll wrap up this turd and put a bow on it and put it on the internet for yeah, you guys dude. to stick in your ear holes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think I'm going to have time to hammer out a fucking stupid little blurb about what we talked about and whatever. So it's going to get up a little bit later, but it doesn't really matter. I don't know why I mentioned that because it's technology. Once it drops, it, it drops. It's not like you're out there waiting for it, even though our faithful listeners are most definitely waiting for it. Let's go. It's been a month since we recorded, but we got it over with, man. We're over two hours, so we had a lot to... We had a lot to discuss today. I'm glad you came by early. Episode 96, Charlie Conway is in the books. Thanks for joining us. You can always follow us on Twitter at Coleman42, at Lesko Adam, and the station at PuckPod. Drop us a line as well, an email if you'd like, at realpuckpod at gmail.com. That's okay. about it. Good. Pack it up. <laughs> Do you want me to write the description today? Do you want me to chip in on that part? No, it's okay. I mean, it'll just come out when I get home from Lumber Kings. Only takes me 10 minutes, but the problem is I don't have 10 minutes. I have to leave like three minutes ago. Yeah, it's a good thing we didn't uh, start talking about the war either. It would have been a three-hour podcast. Well, that's next week. <laughs> Business, economics, and polit- politics. Geopolitical. Next week. Geopolitics and its overlap with hockey. Episode 97. Sergey Fedorov. Yes, sir. Oh, did I get it? I don't right? know. We'll check. We'll fact I check. I don't think week. that's right. I think he was 91. He's 91. Fuck. Terrible. All right. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week.